The moon, I see it. This is what my ancestors must have felt. Go back to hell, coward. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Dura Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> and Janeway is in our hearts, in our spirit, in our and episodes, in our <laughs> and in our voice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rihanna, that was a pretty passable Janeway, I would say. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, um, I heard that uh, Carrie down to engineering does a pretty good Picard. Oh my god, of course he does. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, today we are talking about, it's hard to tell, it's hard to tell. This is the Voyager episode of our spooky series, aka Ashlyn and Rihanna lose their minds. <laughs> I am especially excited about this episode because... Meeting, not meeting, because seeing Kate Mulgrew a couple of weeks ago is still kind of like the memory I wake up to every day. Same. (laughs) And I feel like I have extra insight watching her because of the things that she said in the Q&A, all stuff that we talked about in one of our like special episodes. So go listen to that if you haven't heard about our our special journey. (laughs) Special. (laughs) But I just feel extra invigorated. Also, man, we are on... Uh, two episodes of Prodigy have come out. I'm like shaking to say. Oh, I and... still haven't seen the new ones. So. Oh my God, Rihanna. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, if you are a fan of Voyager or Kate Mulgrew at all, or even just like good TV, literally, you should watch Prodigy and uh, freak out with the rest of us. <laughs> We're all screaming, so join us. Yes. <laughs> and Ashlyn, we are going to be screaming this episode too because we've got some spooky scares in this episode and I think we should chat a little bit about what our fans thought were the scariest episodes of Voyager. Yes, Rihanna. So I was laughing a little bit when I put out this call to our listeners to talk about the scariest episode of Voyager because you might have noticed that Halloween's over (laughs) and I kept going back and forth battling with myself about like how do I address the awkwardness that is releasing a spooky episode after Halloween. And we're going to be doing that for the next like four episodes. Yeah. But the thing is, it, like and Rihanna, it led me to this kind of line of thought. Like even when it's not spooky season and when we want to allow ourselves to become scared, I still think that watching scary or like mind-bending things is really important just on a daily basis. And so I'm hoping that um, as your, I think I already made this joke last episode, but as your seasonal depression is falling upon you, (laughs) you can watch these spooky episodes and leave life behind for a little bit. (laughs) And be spooked in a different way. (laughs) Yeah, I agree, Ashlyn. I'm very excited to get to continue to talk because really the spookiness is inside of us. Yes, thank you, Rihanna. And let's see what spookiness is inside of our listeners, shall we? So on Twitter... Uh, Shattered Worlds says Threshold, which is a great answer. <laughs> great answer. <laughs> I, too, am scarred by the salamanders. And then Captain Jess says Microcosm is pretty intense, especially during those times of COVID. Also, mm-hmm. we get to see Battle Janeway, who is an absolute force of nature. Woo! Yes. Can't wait to talk about her. Battle yeah. Janeway is my favorite action figure that I don't have. <laughs> really want her. Uh, and then Meg Chowning says Endgame. LOL. <laughs> LOL. That is terrifying. Uh, yeah. Pain. Pain. Waves pain. and waves of searing pain. Um, on Instagram, we have very <laughs> similar <laughs> results. Um, 
we had Woolen Tiger saying waking moments, maybe, which mm-hmm. I would say it's a yes for waking moments. Yes. Um, Russ Peliquin says season two of my rewatch Threshold has some serious body horror. Yes, she yep. does. Thank <laughs> you, Russ. That. Where's Bev said the one where Seven and Chicote kiss, and that's, yeah, yeah agreed. Ooh, scary. <laughs> pretty, pretty scary. Yeah. Uh, and then the shy truck, he says Oblivion, which is a great shout. Yeah, so this is Course Oblivion, which... I can't wait to talk about today. It was, yeah, yeah very exciting. Great choices, everyone. And Ashlyn, you mentioned action figures earlier, so I think it's time to choose. Do, 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 get your action do, do, figure, do, do, shake do, it do, by the, the bag. <laughs> so it is loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did not rig the bag this time, but Rihanna totally did. So let's see who she gets. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let Lily choose, actually. I only have two Voyager action figures, and she's gonna choose for me. Okay. She's really thinking about it. Oh, okay. Seven of nine it is. Seven of nine. Okay. Lily has chosen. Sorry, it was so loud. The Lily has spoken. <laughs> well, I I was kind of like choosing not Voyager characters, and no matter who I pulled out, it was a TNG character, so I'm just going to go with who I have in my hand, which is Will Riker. So Will Riker. <laughs> Welcome, Will. Welcome to the studio. Yeah. Um, I have like mostly Voyager action figures in there, so that's hilarious that Very I didn't shocking. get one, but <laughs> yeah. um, you know, sometimes we all need a little Will Riker in our lives. Totally. And Seven or Nine looks really shiny, so I'm excited to have her here today. I'm excited that she's been selected because when Rihanna and I saw each other in Bloomington, I was finally able to deliver Seven of Nine, which I bought for yes. a couple months ago. <laughs> so Yes, I'm so happy that she's now in my life. So thank you, yes. Ashlyn. Okay, well, before we dive in, um, mm-hmm. I also just want to lay a blanket statement that we are in a world that is much different than the last episode we recorded because Midnight's has been released. And Rihanna and I have lost our minds also listening to Taylor Swift. I would say like the past couple weeks has just been Voyager and Taylor Swift for me. So correct. <laughs> yeah. If any weird um, songs are randomly sung or we are talking a lot about um, our dearly beloved, that's why. <laughs> Literally like, yeah, we might, we might have some sidetracking moments. Mm-hmm. Also blanket statement, a little more serious. This one is going to be a very serious episode. I can already tell because of the content that we are going to be discussing So I'm putting a blanket trigger warning. There's going to be a lot of body horror. We're going to be talking about a lot of just like creepiness, a lot of things that happen that are kind of horrible to these people. So just, you know, get your, get your brains ready. This is going to be a wild ride. Thank you, Rihanna. It's time to bring it down. No more fun. Mm -hmm. No more. We have to be really (laughs) serious. Um, Yeah. On uh, that note, (laughs) we have to start with one of the most serious episodes. I mean, so I was going to say that I, I feel like Deep Space Nine lays the groundwork for Voyager and I also feel like the character of Beverly Crusher lays the groundwork for Janeway and I just want to say like immediately I saw so many similarities between like the amazing scary episodes that we saw in Next Generation especially ones that feature strong powerful female characters translates directly Mm -hmm. into Voyager and we have Seven of Nine and Janeway who are the star who, and Taurus, who are the stars, mm-hmm. and Kess. I can't, yeah, like, literally all yeah. the women have, like, amazing, scary episodes, and it just makes me feel so empowered. So I have to do a little thank you to Next Generation and to Gates McFadden for laying that groundwork. Also for Mariana Stratus, uh, who played Troy, who also had so many amazing body horror episodes. Um, yeah, wow. And then, yeah, similarly, DS9, 
really brings in the mental horror and yeah. the like mental trauma that we're going to have. Um, and I think Voyager just takes it even deeper. So totally. Rihanna, for you, I'm wondering when you're thinking about Voyager episodes, what is one that is always stuck out to you? What's your scariest episode? You know, I think my memory of Voyager as a kid was, is pretty like, even though we watched it more recently, um, we were in, you were just graduating, you know, and we watched Endgame when like the day before we left for San Francisco. So I feel like I should know it more, but honestly, a lot didn't stick out to me. I was really happy to rewatch these episodes, but I will say that one has been an episode that I have watched a few times since, uh, first watching it. And I remember vaguely parts of it, but watching it again, like really gave me the spooks. It was very good. I think you're absolutely right about the psychological horror we're going to be discussing is so interesting and something, yeah, directly taken from Deep Space Nine. So thank you for mentioning that, Ashlyn. For sure. I'm passionate yeah. about this subject. So. Yes. <laughs> what about you? What's an episode that really gives you the heebie-jeebies? Not a surprise to any of our our listeners or Rian, <laughs> I'm sure, but Microcosm yes. is the episode for me. Like when I think about great like feminist science fiction stories, I think about this episode. Maybe yes. it's because, again, the tank top is obscuring my vision and my <laughs> memories and it's all that no, I think about. It's um, just as epic. But it, there's just something amazing about Janeway like running down the hall, like firing at a giant creature. It's Yeah, mm, it's stabbing it with her knife. It's Oof. amazing to see, yeah and, yeah. and she's amazing. So that episode, I similarly, Rihanna, my memory of Voyager the first time around is very, uh, <laughs> very small. I think part of yeah. it too was we watched the first five seasons and then we had to stop because we were busy and yeah. it was so similar to TNG because we had seen it we so break. Yeah. back to back. Then two or three years later, we finished it. So yeah. kind of a strange relationship with Voyager. Yeah, the plane was going down, but now it's definitely come back around <laughs> for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Agreed. Okay, so... To prepare for this episode, we, of course, have sorted it. Well, I should say Rihanna. She did all this work sorting these episodes. So did you. You well, created the episode list. I got the, I got the list, but Rihanna put them into categories, and that's what I really need help on. So <laughs> it's a good thing that we're a team. Yeah. Um, so we're going to begin talking about episodes that affect the whole crew, which is Course Oblivion. Thank you, The Shy Trekkie. And Microcosm. Thank you, Ashlyn. Um, and then we'll be going on to the ghost section. Every spooky episode needs a ghost section. Talking about Coda mm -hmm. and the haunting of Deck 12. And then we have a whopper of a psychological section where we will be talking about Meld, Darkling, One, and Night. And then we will be finishing off the podcast with our nightmare section. <laughs> <laughs> talking, talk, talking about the thaw and waking moments. We, man, we have a, it's, it's, for Enterprise, it's been a long road. For us, it's going to be a dark road getting from there to here. So I hope everyone has brought yeah. their sexy candles out and are ready to sit on Ronan's yeah. lap for this podcast. Yeah, literally. I'm so excited, Ashlyn. Let's dive in. I want to talk Course Oblivion, and I'm also very fearful to talk this episode because I do not remember any of it. Going into this, I was completely going in blind again, really excited to see something that I like didn't remember any of, and I was frankly very disturbed <laughs> by the outcome of this episode. Yeah, so this was one I didn't remember either, but in doing research for the watch list, it kept coming up in a lot of lists, and like I get halfway through the episode, and I'm like, why is this spooky? You know, yeah. um, like basically the crew of Voyager, it starts out with Tom and Bolana's wedding, which yeah. is amazing. In season Five. In season yeah. five. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and it's, oh man, like everyone looks great in their dress uniforms. We don't get to see that very often, and mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, yes. Tom and Bolana are getting rice thrown at them and we realize that there's something wrong with the ship. And it turns out that the entire crew, except items that have been brought on board in the past like 11, 12 months, mm-hmm. are starting to degrade on a molecular level. Like this includes the humans, this includes all the ship systems. And mm-hmm. after some some work, it, Tuvok and Chakotay come to the conclusion that they encountered this like silicon species, like silver blood, they called it, mm-hmm. on the volcano or the demon planet. The demon planet. The demon yeah. planet, yeah. And they were like, huh, yeah, that, that was that species that ended up like replicating themselves um, and became sentient. I wonder what's happening with the duplicates. And Ch- yeah. Tuvok's like, yeah, I think about that sometimes. And then they thought a little more and realized that they were the duplicates. Ooh. So, yeah, I think that this, you're right, this is kind of a episode you wouldn't expect to be spooky because you get halfway through, um, but I think that they do a great job at building the suspense. There's so much scary music, there's the, like, when the, even the rice goes down, it starts wobbling with the ship, and you're like, oh no, something's going on. And we see, you know, Balana's the first one to start experiencing the cellular degradation and it's horrible to watch because like they don't die peacefully any of these characters and Bolana, I mean the only part that doesn't really hold up is the animation for Bolana's <laughs> death <laughs> because yeah. like she kind of just like melts into aluminum <laughs> looking like I don't know it's very funny puddle thing but also to think of the consequences you're like oh my god like she just degraded molecularly like my she's gone my melted before my eyes literally and they're like ta- talking about their honeymoon while she's dying it's just like really tragic scene and so I love that then we're bringing up this demon class planet because it adds to the spookiness of it you're like oh my gosh the demon class planet that sounds terrible like what is going on with this crew that reveal is so crazy because then they spend the rest of the time sort of deciding Janeway's like do we go back to the demon class planet and know where we'll survive because at least we'll be in that environment that we can thrive in or do we risk trying to keep going to the Alpha Quadrant to try to get them home. And Janeway is so blinded and determined to get them home that she essentially, like, gets her entire crew killed, this duplicate crew. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, let's just talk about it right now, the ending of this episode <laughs> oh my God, it's is the one that, yeah. like, is the reason I get so freaked out by the premise of this episode is because, obviously, the title is called Course Oblivion. So... Starting spoiler. out, you're just already <laughs> yeah, like, feeling it's a the spoiler. Yeah, you're feeling sort of the doomsday of this episode. And Ashlyn, I think you mentioned this before we started recording, like Twilight Zone. You know, absolutely, this episode is. Yeah, this 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 feels like an episode of the Twilight Zone because yeah. it's one of the few episodes I can think of in all of Star Trek that doesn't technically feature. I mean, you could argue maybe some mirror episodes, but mm-hmm. like it doesn't feature the prime cast that we know and love Mm -hmm. like this is not real Janeway it's not real Tuvok or Neelix Mm -hmm. they're even the ship is completely replicated Mm -hmm. and so I felt some detachment in the middle of the episode Mm -hmm. once we have this reveal because I'm like okay Balana died but she's not the real Balana so I can feel okay now about seeing these characters die but still they have the memories they have the like habits of the crew that we know and Mm -hmm. it is so literally alienating to watch their story and like try to figure out 
what should they do? And I immediately yeah. see like Tom and Chakotay eventually, like the crew is starting to split in half, trying mm-hmm. to deal with this decision. Some come to the conclusion very quickly. I want to go back to the demon planet. It's better yeah. to survive. And then mm-hmm. half, and then it steadily declines as the episode mm-hmm. goes on, want to continue towards the Alpha Quadrant. Of course, it's not yeah. a democracy. Like Rihanna said, it's all up to Janeway. And it was fascinating to see an episode where she made the wrong decision and the consequences yeah. were so deadly. Literally like, so deadly. That might be the most haunting part for me. <laughs> yes. Thank you for bringing that up, Ashlyn. And I think, too, because... Janeway says, okay, well, if we don't survive this, let's send out a beacon that can, like, have all of the history of what we've experienced in these past, like, six months or however long we've been out here as duplicates. And uh, then it's only, like, Harry and Seven from Nine left alive, and the ship is, like, completely collapsing. And Kim's log is, like, really grim because then they realize that when they tried to shoot out the beacon, was that exploded and, like, it was destroyed. And so it's like the time where you feel the most helpless. You're like, there's no end game solution here. Like something like this, these characters are not going to make it. Like, it's just horrible because then you see the screen flickering and you see Voyager and we know it's Voyager, but the characters don't know it. They're like, it's some ship. We can't get a reading, but like someone heard our distress signal. They're coming, uh, all this stuff. And then Voyager arrives five minutes too late. Like, just in that span of five minutes, they couldn't get to them, so they don't even know what was there. They have no clue that they were duplicated, no clue that this ever existed, and the truly, the crew just, like, disappeared into oblivion, and it was just a blip on Janeway's log, our prime Janeway's log. She was just like, yeah, we weren't able to get there in time. It looked like it was a ship. We don't, we have no conclusions. Anyway, set course for home. And the episode just ends like that. It's just absolutely terrifying, and... I think everyone can sort of relate to that fear of feeling like when I die, I'm not going to leave any sort of legacy. That's why people have kids. That's why people, you know, write and create and do these things, you know, that you want to survive past yourself. And to think that, like, they knew that they weren't going to do that is pretty deep. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's so timely. I... (laughs) gonna I don't want to bring this up too much but I was yeah. just at I I got really lucky I got free tickets to a TED talk that was happening at the university mm-hmm. that I work at and the whole topic was about leading a life of significance so because like we all live together on the earth we are all interconnected whether we want to be or not mm-hmm. and what's so scary about this episode is that they are just a single ship flying through space who yes they've encountered other species and we assumed in this year or so mm-hmm. that they've been duplicated that they have helped people and they've yeah. like followed the prime directive and they've traded True. and given water and whatever they else like their main voyager crew would do mm-hmm. um so I just have to think like that is the impact yeah. that they will have is they carry through Starfleet's mission and they affected people who will never forget them, you know? Very good point. Yeah. So that is the one kernel I can get. But other mm-hmm. than that, like their their families, like the people, whoever else is on the planet, which is like the other bugs, yeah. the micro mm-hmm. creatures on the, the planet. Other, yeah. Like they will have no significance on them and then our main crew, yeah, never knew that they were duplicated. So it's yeah. It's so scary mm-hmm. to think about. Yeah. It's <laughs> a great episode. Yeah. I really enjoyed it and what a great take and I think that this is a a theme that we're going to see woven throughout this episode is that I think everything in the Delta Quadrant automatically makes it scarier you know and this is something that I'm going to keep saying because it's true like exactly you said it's that 
really different type of isolation you don't get from even like deep space voyages and stuff or deep space nine because you have just like even even if it's a one day delay call you can get to starfleet and you can have other ships come and back you up or you can you know there's somebody to trust and lean on but there's not really a lot of species we'd encounter long term in voyager especially by season five that have been very kind and like you know you can kind of reach out to in the future because you're not in their space long enough and so that it just automatically brings you know and it's, it's stuff we've never seen before and that's what i think is the beauty of voyager and why these scary episodes are so effective is because it's stuff that like oh yeah sure we can borg episodes are scary but we didn't put any of these borg episodes on the list because we know borg and at this point borg is kind of a different type of scary you know it's scary if they take seven but seven's our favorite borg so you know it's like it's really different when we're encountering stuff that no one in the Alpha Quadrant has ever seen. Well, and I think what makes the Borg so scary is that they're the unknown. And by the yes. time we're in Voyager, they're very much known. Boom. So for me, like when I think about the scariest, which we're not really going to talk about um, on this podcast, but like <laughs> yeah. when I think about the scariest villains that they encountered, the Vidians are terrifying because they're going to take your organs and, you know, like slash yeah. you up. Um, yeah. Eight Species 8472 is similarly scary because you don't know like what they are but you know that they're hostile extremely violent and extremely hostile if they can take on the borg yeah yeah so i feel like voyager just like really ups the ante with the type of villains or people that they have to deal with one last thing about janeway because that should be always my middle name (laughs) (laughs) ashlyn one more thing about janeway gelman Um, (laughs) but I, I, man, she was so determined to get her crew home to the Alpha Quadrant in any, no matter what, like, her body was, <laughs> even, yeah. if it, even if it wasn't a human. And the only thing that made her take it seriously was losing Chakotay. That's so true. Yeah. And not just, like, from a shipping standpoint, I mean, but yes, but also that the one person who's like disagreeing with you and saying hey we need to do something differently it turns out that they're right I just felt like that really hit hard for her and is spooky in its own way (laughs) yeah when she's usually right like you said this is her 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 mistake yeah oh so we talked about encountering you know all different kinds of species we've never seen before and this episode macrocosm is certainly not an exception uh, we had to add it. Ashlyn was like begging me and I'm like, you don't even have to beg. I just, I love it. Let's do it. And so, um, we are going to talk about this gigantic virus, just like Captain Jess said on Twitter that this is scarier now because we've been through a pandemic and we're currently still in one. So yeah, Ashlyn, let's talk about mac- macrocosm. We had an amazing discussion with Jarrah Hodge about this episode, uh, when we talked Janeway with her. For the feminism series but i'm really excited to look at this through a spooky lens because i'm so used to just looking at janeway in this episode and so let's talk a little bit more about the other elements as well absolutely and i want to shout out alexander city because he directed this episode Woo! just great taste <laughs> yes <laughs> all around all around ashlyn and i watched this episode in our hotel room together we had a blast <laughs> taking notes side by side <laughs> a rare thing to see it was very exciting yeah um, yeah, and actually Janeway mentions being from Indiana in this episode, so we, we did a little cheer when she did that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, well, so some things I just want to start off by saying is, again, like, there's been so much great directing and camera work in Star yes. Trek, but 
Alexander Siddig does knock it out of the park because the camera shots in this one are fantastic. The way that they're following Janeway around the ship and also just to really like set the scene of what type of episode this is going to be. Along with that, you have the buzzing of the insects and stuff when you're coming aboard Voyager. It's kind of like similar, like the clicking sounds and TNG. But I have to bring this up again. If you're, you come back to your ship from a shuttle and it's completely out and no one's responding, put on an EV suit. You dummies. Janeway got stung like right away. (laughs) Right away. got stung. Um, excuse me, protect yourself. You have no idea if a gigantic virus has boarded your ship. You don't know if your ship has turned, de-evolved into monkeys. Like, you never know, and so you need to take precautions. Yes, I totally agree. PSA. (laughs) Yeah, and of of course, like, the problem, it's interesting to see both sides, um, but Mm -hmm. the problem is that it's this tiny virus that, like, is expanding and growing. Um, the doctor... has a great role in this because they they are trying to attack him but he's like obviously not real so he cracks me up in this episode actually but we his negligence brings the virus on board well yeah yeah it did because he beamed it up with him right (laughs) dummy yeah Yeah. he's like ooh, so fascinating while this person's like dying i'm like wow great it's like oh what just flew out of his like pimple oh god really (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, yeah that that also the body horror in this is like almost too good i can't really look at the scenes where like they show balana's they're doing flashbacks you know from the doctor classic it shows like the bugs flying out of balana's neck and i'm like this is just horrid like and you can already hear the buzzing sound and so you know that this is like i love that we're getting to piece together the information with janeway kind of kind of similar to how genesis went you know with picard and data figuring out as they went but we got to see more of the ship in the beginning in genesis so it's really cool that we pretty much just start with neelix and janeway coming back from their failed negotiation. <laughs> That's such a weird moment. <laughs> that episode really takes me out of the speakiness. Uh, yeah. So, whatever. Uh, but yeah, so I thought that was a really cool change of pace, you know, to make it a little different from TNG. Totally agree with you. Um, something I really liked also is seeing the whole crew in the mess hall because at yeah. one point they're trying to shut down different parts of the ship. Is that right? To yeah. quarantine them? And, oh, well, this is the one that Neelix is, like, scared in the kitchen, right? He's always scared <laughs> he's in the always, kitchen. <laughs> he's always scared in the kitchen. No, that's haunting, right? Oh, that's that haunting. Yeah, there. okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> he's always scared in the kitchen. <laughs> I guess just, like, we don't get to see the whole crew in one place very often. And they often use the mess hall as, like, triage. Yeah. Um, but just it, it crazy to see how quickly it spread. And, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's ex- always, like, worst case scenario, they're all at the mess hall. Like, year of hell, you know, they're in the mess hall. And like, I feel like every mess, episode like, they're in the mess hall. That's a crisis. They're, yeah. like, all, you know, holed up in there. And so, yeah, we the, just the quarantine-ness of it is always scary. The, like, mm-hmm. fact that they weren't taking precautions is scary. <laughs> and... <laughs> I think, too, that there's a great juxtaposition in this episode because you're right, the Doctor is really funny, so we've got some humor elements. And we found out that, like, this virus came from this pleasure planet, so it's such a juxtaposition of, like, this horrid thing, you know, that is, like, haunting their ship right now and, like, attacking is, like, was roaming around this pleasure planet. It's just really interesting the way that Voyager does that sort of tone shifts throughout the episode to make it creepier almost, you know? They make some really intelligent choices with the writing. Totally agree with you, Rihanna. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I also have a note here that says the men are useless. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. They all passed out. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> the <only one. laughs> 
know. I, I guess also this just gives me alien vibes. I mean, it's like obvious to be said, but mm-hmm. I really feel like a direct rip, you know, like yeah. honor the the honor goddess Scott level Ridley. sci-fi. Yeah. yeah, honor Ridley Scott and honor Sigourney Reaver because holy moly, they're like, yeah, I agree. This is such an alien moment. This whole episode is, especially when it goes down to just Janeway and she has to pretty oh, much be alone God. in the dark corridors, like going through... I love these shots. Again, a Voyager, like, it feels like a tighter ship, you know? It feels smaller, especially when it's dark. And so they're really good at, because I think TNG is, like, a little bit more rounded or whatever, but Voyager's got those, like, kind of tighter corridors. corridors. Narrow, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, there's not much space to move around, especially when when you're already feeling claustrophobic and it's feeling dark and everything. So I just thought, like, of course we're going to be experiencing that in episodes to come. Um, but this was a great sort of introduction to a horror element they're going to use a lot, which is like messing with the lights and messing with the, the corridors and everything. Yes, this is the start Ooh. of a theme that we're going to see, which is they are not afraid to mess Voyager up yeah. like in, for the sake of the story. We see the ship itself go through some really like intense moments in these scary episodes. <laughs> it's badass how yeah. much they go through, yeah. And speaking of badass, um, my favorite part in this episode is when Janeway stabs the microcosm with the knife. <laughs> that was epic. Like it's literally about to sting her and she just like pulls out a knife from her boot. Like that is... Jeez. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> like, whoa, I'm purple sweaty. Getting over here. sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, Janeway's just so beautiful, and oh, uh, what a what an amazing episode. Yeah. Okay, well, this is gonna be a really hard transition now. Oh God, because yeah. now we're going to Coda, which is talking about how amazing uh, Janeway is in a different way. This yes. is oh guys, this is a hard episode for me because I'm just so obsessed with Chakotay and Janeway, and like every Prodigy episode, I've been dissecting to like the smallest section just to get what I need yeah. out of it. So I'm guys. Just, I mean, she oh. sent me a note that. Um, you know, you can share notes. She sent me one <laughs> that has oh like the most thorough ever deep dives into Jade Wage Cote. It's so good. Like, yeah, I I was literally texting her watching this episode, like, are you alive? <laughs> like, how I'm are you? I'm not doing? alive. I also just want to sh- like throw out there. I do plan on making. I, I I have like a draft of a TikTok of all this yeah. like crazy research. What I found is that three minutes is not enough. <laughs> to, yes. <laughs> to make you one be video like, like for part two. Yeah, I'm gonna be that annoying person. Yeah. Um, but or low key, put it on our YouTube page. Yeah, I could make an, a normal old-fashioned video. Yeah, old-fashioned <laughs> in one, one go. Well, and then the other thing, I just want to say that if anyone is out there and struggling like me, please reach out to the Dura Sisters podcast on any social media handle yes. because I am in need of help. <laughs> she will talk JC with you all day long. I was like, low-key no considering like getting a Zoom going where I talk with everyone who's obsessed and we all yeah. like have weekly meetings. Like, I'm, Let's do it, JC I, chat. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I can think of some amazing fans and friends that we have yeah. on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, so, we just pull a strange new pod and start a Discord. That's what I'm saying because I need to have this discussion. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna all our all my listeners, all the people who support um, Chicote and Seven, like you have your place somewhere on the internet. Yep. <laughs> I don't want to say turn it off, but I will yeah. annoy you basically. Yeah, <laughs> we talk about them a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. So, boom, right off the bat. Rihanna, why do you think they took a shuttle mission together? I I mean, this has very little to do with the episode, but yeah. like, 
why would why would Chakotay let Janeway <laughs> go off they're dumb, to collect the sample? I, I think <laughs> it's because they're flirting and they're like, oh, it'll be like <laughs> a quick flirting. little... You're right. We'll just go get some magnesium from the moon or whatever yeah. <laughs> they're trying to get. Yeah, no, they think it's going to be simple. It's never simple. I think that Janeway does... I mean, I think that Chakotay just does not care about Janeway going down on missions. And I don't mean that in a way that he's, like, apathetic towards her. It's that he won't be able to stop her. Like, I think he's probably mm. tried. This is my headcanon. Is that, like, <laughs> in the first early season of season one, he's like, okay, I'm gonna, like, follow protocol. Like, Jane... Captain can't go down on away missions. And every time she'd already be on the transporter just, like, strapping up her belt. Like, okay, are you coming or not? And he's like, wait, no, no, like, you can't go down. <laughs> and then she's like the hell I can't and then she's like beat me down and then they do and he's like okay so I think honestly it's just like he's been worn down he's like she's gonna come either way there's no stopping her and it's always way more successful when Janeway beams down like that's when I know that stuff's gonna actually get done because <laughs> <laughs> when it's first like Kim and Tuvok no offense but they're just like <laughs> they do their first sweep and I'm like cool but we need Janeway down here what are we doing Rena, that might have been the most beautiful couple of sentences <laughs> you have ever said. How did that not come up in our first officer series? Like, this is so true. <laughs> so true. I really feel it. Yeah, well, and yeah. stuff does get done, sort of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah. of course, they're caught in this time loop. They have this adorable intro talking about mm. talent night and how apparently yes. Janeway danced the dance yes. of the dying swan and Chicote makes this joke about the apple on the head and I could fire it and I become captain. <laughs> I, I am kind of brushing past this because we also talked about mm. this for our death fake out series so it's pretty yeah. recent. I also try to watch it whenever I'm sad so yeah, <laughs> it's been kind of on in the background. Yeah, so right away, we know it's a time loop episode. I think we even saw this for freaking time travel. I, I don't remember. Not no, time travel, no. but yeah. Anyway. Love and affection, probably. Yeah, we sure did. I cried then, <laughs> too. I'm crying a year ago. I'm crying yeah, again literally. now. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, but something I appreciate right. about this is that they instantly figure out that they're in a time loop. I mean, we've Boom. seen whole TNG episodes where it takes them 40 minutes to figure out that they're <laughs> in a time loop. And immediately, like, they're talking about Talent Night round two, and Janeway's like, Wait, and Chakotay's like, "Yep, we've yep. we've been here before." He's like, "I've seen this film before," and Jane was like, "And I didn't like the ending." <laughs> like, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> yes, and so, like, I appreciate so much that they are so scientifically minded that they figure this out right away. From a spooky angle, it just keeps getting more creepy as we go because yeah. Jane ends up dying in every repeat of the scenario. Like, she. Um, almost dies on the shuttle and then they crash on the planet and then he's not able to revive her. So they loop again. And then the Vidians explode the shuttle. <laughs> yeah. And then it's a repeat again. They have all these deaths. But each time, I think that the real one is happening. And yeah. so it does a great job of tricking you because Janeway and Chakotay try something different enough each time that you think, oh, okay, it's fine. Like, it's they all worked one. out. Like, yeah. especially when they're back on Voyager. But then... Oh, that would. But yeah. then they get to the bridge and Chakotay doesn't even remember the time loop. And yeah. so it just... And, and the doctor's uh, like, you've caught Vidian Phage. And then he kills her. Yes. He euthanizes her. Yes. Um, that's when it gets really scary is when the deaths start getting more horrifying. Yes. Like, that death was like terrifying because we're going to talk about the doctor going crazy in another episode and so to see him just like euthanasia is the best option i'm like no (laughs) like this is really scary this better not be the real time yeah ashlyn thank you for i was just gonna say too i love that this episode though the spooky elements are like 
you know, it's not outwardly spooky because it's sort of just like, ah, oh, like classic death at, death fake out time travel shenanigans, but it becomes more spooky because of these deaths and because then we see her father, a ghost, apparently appear through this little vortex <laughs> and is really trying to convince her to come with him and to move on into the next life and all this stuff. And I think that's when I start getting really on edge is when, you know, when Janeway attends her funeral and watches everybody you know that part's just so sad but then you have the <laughs> the dad being like okay well that's over with you better come with me now like you've you've gotten over it right and Jane was like of course I haven't like you said it took you years like why are you rushing this and so to see her start to become suspicious is making me really worried for her because I'm like whoever is doing this could easily just like probably just kill her is what I'm thinking you know and it makes the stakes raise when she starts to doubt her father I'm like oh something's going on here yeah well he's gaslighting her so much like yeah. he's saying well first of all he's like lying to her manipulating her like yeah. oh when I died I was watching you this whole time and it was so hard on me so like yeah. automatically like making her feel sympathy for mm -hmm. him when like she doesn't need to like feel bad about feeling bad like no no um and yeah he's just lying to her this entire time trying to manipulate her and uh Oh, this is where I wrote Beverly walked so Janeway could fly because yes. this is like, there's not something wrong with me. There's something wrong with the yes. universe. Like there's definitely that moment in this one because she's slowly yes. figuring out my dad, he never tried to shield me from life. Why would he ever try to shield me from death? Yes. That is the best quote. Yeah. And we did this in family. We just love this episode. It's really good. Okay. Yeah, we love this episode. <laughs> the fact that he's an alien presence does of course come to light during this. And the fact that she keeps having flashes of them trying to save her life down on the planet still. And it's of course dark and stormy and it really adds to the effect of the spookiness. She figures it out. Like you said, Beverly, <laughs> literally like there's, amazing these women she just goes oh like if you just wanted me you would just take me like you wouldn't be trying to convince me so hard she's like you need my permission i need to go voluntarily with you and she says we can stand here for an attorney and i will never choose to go with you like i love oh. that janeway's facing off against a literal demon pretty much and just like nope here i am forever standing firm i it's yes. an amazing sight to see like this is one of the most spectacular moments what I love too is we get Janeway's flashing between reality and this dream that she's having. So she mm -hmm. actually is down on the planet and Chakotay, Tuvok, and the Doctor are all there trying to revive her. And I just love this trio. Like these yes. are the most important people that need I to be them. there for this moment. Um, yeah. It's the people that Janeway is currently like holding on to most in her life. Maybe not the doctor, yeah. but like he's, he's, he needs to he's be helping. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like putting in the cortical stimulus and stuff. Literally. Very yeah. important. Um, I love that like Chakotay keeps saying, fight a little longer, keep fighting, keep going. And yes. she's like, okay, well, I trust these dudes way more than I trust you, like, sketchy ghost yes. man. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Especially because, like, clearly there's some illusion versus reality going on here. And so I love that she trusts them instinctually. And then, ooh, when he realizes that she's not going to back down, he says he'll be waiting for her. And he says, quote, you'll come into my matrix and you will nourish me for a long, long time. And that's when she says, go back to hell, coward. Ooh, <laughs> yes, oh, my like, God. She's not even struck, like, by that. I mean, obviously, you know, the ramifications of that is utterly terrifying. And it makes me think, like... 
they could bring back this at any moment, you know? Like, if Janeway has another like, <laughs> near-death experience, is this always waiting? Is it just, like, Janeway thinks exclusive to the Delta Quadrant? So, again, we're having an episode that's making us wonder about, like, we get no conclusion or no real wrap-up of even who they are. So it's yeah. really TNG in that way, too. Well, even in the last five minutes, there's always a, like... <laughs> oh, God. Jarote and Janeway have, like, a cute dinner yeah, and they banter. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They make a pun. It's very TOS of them. Uh-huh. Um, but in this one, it was very unsettling, like you said, Rihanna, because she says, what if all of the people who have had near-death experiences have just had this experience that I just had? Mm-hmm. And it's all just, like, an alien entity who's existing in a different part of the universe in our lives. Right. And... She's like, what if it's only in the Alpha Quadrant? What if this one's only in the Delta Quadrant? And the more mm-hmm. questions she asks, I'm like, you need to shut up because yeah, like, why I'm getting very scared. And I'm also yeah. scared for Janeway. Like, what if this, this parasite is now attached to her exactly. for the rest That's of her life? Yeah. Like, what if we get if we get a Star Trek Janeway, I'm saying, bring it in here. Like, that would make it for a really interesting episode the star trek janeway has to have 30 seasons because at the end they're probably gonna kill janeway and no. I, like i can't stop 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 i can't do with that right no. now i can't that's not a three season scenario that's anyway than anything we just <laughs> yeah. talked about ashlyn okay um so, yeah so this ending is so good it's so good i just have to uh, pick apart a couple things that took me out of it because for the most part this is a very effective spooky episode Mm -hmm. um especially in the beginning when jane well i should say the middle when janeway has walked through kess and kess feels her presence and then she spends like three days meditating with tuvok and they're both like starved to feel anything of janeway and they just don't and so they're like janeway's watching them meditate and she's like, I'm right here, Tuvok. Like, she's so cute. Um, like, oh, yes, God. can't you feel yeah. me? You know, she's trying. Why yeah. didn't she just yeah. wave herself through their bodies again? Thank you. This is the dumbest. I was she like, was not thinking. oh, my God. Like, you're so smart. You're so intelligent. But just, like, wave your hand through yeah. again. I thought she was going to do that. Like, and, and then... And then Tuvok's like, can you hear her? And Janeway doesn't speak. And Cass is like, no. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you're not talking. Like, come on. Hold her hand or something. I mean, I think the point is that ultimately, like, this isn't an issue that can be solved with science because it's a parasite in her mind. But still... I don't like that she doesn't even think <laughs> of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was quaking. I was like, what? Um, <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yes. Uh, another, and then a last quote, uh, her dad is trying to get her. We got to go right now. I, the yeah, meter's literally. running. I need to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she's like, but I want to see, like, if Tom and Bellana will stop, like, fooling around and get serious yeah. or something like that. She's like, totally. she's so precious. She's like, I want to yeah, see if seven of nine can find yeah. her reality. Or, no, yeah. or I guess Kess, it's Kess. Kess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. She's I want so, to see guests. Guests grow and learn. She's so <laughs> precious. And the dad's like, well, who cares? Um, yeah. And because uh, they're going to move on from you and they're going to forget about you. Mm-hmm. And she says, I'd rather be here in spirit than not at all. <laughs> She's oh, like, that. this goes back to like why Silicon Janeway like made all yes. her crew die because she's so like overly committed to them. That totally. even in dream world, she's like, I think if this had actually happened, like if she had died and the scenario was real, mm-hmm. she would have stayed with them till they got she back would've. to Earth. Yep. Yeah. And then finally let go. Yeah. yeah. 
Ouch. <laughs> ow, 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 owie. Okay. Waves, waves of searing pain. <laughs> oh, and then also, just so everyone knows, I was thinking about which reality is true then because there were so many different shuttle incidents that occurred. Yeah. Like, which one came true? And yeah. it means it's definitely the one that we saw, which is Chakotay, like, weeping over oh. her, saying, like, you can't do this yeah, to me. Yeah, because he said... Voyager, come down here quick. And they yeah. said, we'll have to take a shuttle to take two minutes. Yeah, so she actually is declared dead and he's like mm-hmm. weeping. And then they get there and they're trying to resuscitate her. And it does work on the planet. So yeah. uh, oh, just in case, if you ow. need any pain. Um, and That's then, the real reality. Like Janeway gets up at the end, like nothing happened. And she's like yeah. leaning on Jakote and Tuvok. And I'm like, yeah, oh, doctor, get out of here. Yes. Get out of here. <laughs> Your job is done. We don't need you. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, gosh. So okay, well, now we are going to be finished our ghost section with the haunting of deck 12 and i just have to say what a delight that we get to talk about this episode oh man i'm so glad that this one exists it's really a great departure from other spooky episodes we get to talk about because we never get to talk about like kind of a fun spooky you know and cat's paw i think is really close <laughs> i was gonna that. say is cat's paw our last spooky fun <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> that we the first episode <laughs> Probably. So this is great. A great return to TOS vibes. A lot lighter because Phlox is telling the story to the kids. So he's really either watering down the details, but he's clearly not. And he's still giving them the full picture. But it's really fun because for once, I'm really enjoying Neelix's perspective. I don't, I have lots of problems with Neelix. I don't really like him as a character. Um, but I think it is really interesting to watch him help these kids sort of deal with spooky stuff but it's just so funny to me because they're borg children like they are they have been put back to their individuality and but they've been raised as borg and so i'm like they're not scared of a little ghost story you know like you could tell them the whole thing and of course they're like how were the bodies positioned you know like asking all these questions of like um i love that they're automatically scientists like there's so much about this that just makes me love Neelix honestly and love like his love the kids and the interaction that they get and that we get more episodes of children although I wanted more Naomi but of course she's the Um, one who started all the rumors so (laughs) as she does (laughs) Um, Brianna it's funny that you say that sorry I couldn't help but laugh at the end of your story there because (laughs) you said like it really helps me to like Neelix and I was Mm -hmm. about to say I had a very wonderful watch through with Neelix actually and I felt like I I actually like him better after like after mm-hmm. seeing all these mm-hmm. episodes and I was about to say don't you agree Rihanna but I yeah. have to admit that we had another episode that didn't quite make the cut okay <laughs> five or four minute breakdown oh god okay so sometimes Ashley and I take one of us takes the L and we watch an episode that we're not quite sure fits so whoever has more time is like okay can you watch this just see if this can go in our spooky or whatever series we're doing so I watched The Phage, which is a season one episode. I thought, like, and... it's the first episode where the Medeans are introduced. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's got to be, spooky, be right? really scary. So if y'all don't remember, this is the one where Neelix loses his lungs. Um, <laughs> 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 they were removed. I can't take this seriously. I'm sorry. Uh, they were removed his organ. You know, they were beamed out of him by the by the Medeans. <laughs> and... <laughs> And the entire time, so I'm sorry, there's some highlights, because I kept my notes that I took. He, when Janeway beams down, you know, to solve the issues, they go in, they see the Vidian's organs, they're all creepy on the shelves, and Janeway goes, do you see Neelix's lungs? (laughs) 
<laughs> it's no, giving no fox brain. It. Yeah, it really is. It literally is thank you. It's yeah. like McCoy's like, have you seen Spock's brain? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, let's try the other chamber. Yeah. And so I think that this episode would have been scarier if it was a character that I liked more, but also <laughs> Neelix was being so awful in this episode. Like he became this like jealous creature when uh when he was like ill because Paris said to Kess, Oh, anything you need, you can come to me anytime. And Neelix goes like, <laughs> What does that mean? Anything you need and he's like freaking out and so wow. Kess is like, Please calm down, why are you so jealous? He is like I understand. He he deals with claustrophobia and he has like a lot of like very sad moments where he's very scared because he has to be held in containment so that like he can breathe with these holographic lungs that they replaced. And it turns out the Vidians are actually like very cool. <laughs> <in> this episode, <laughs> this Vidian and they like make a trade. It's like very nice. It's a great end of the episode. But I just could not stop texting Ashlyn like. <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, why am I watching this episode? Um, I was crying. Yeah. It's like, there was one phone call we had. She was like, I'm just so annoyed because Cass even offered her lungs to Neelix and he yeah. said no. Okay, yeah, like, <laughs> let me pull that up because I was dying. Cass is like, oh my gosh, would one of my lungs be compatible? Because, like, I could learn to live with a lung, which is actually what happens. Cass ends up giving one of her lungs. I don't know, they just help <laughs> each other out. And um, Neelix goes, no, it's too dangerous. Let someone else do it. <laughs> He's like, I don't care about these you know what's like they can all get they can do that. I'm fine. <laughs> so anyway, that was my recap of the phage. It wasn't spooky, it was just annoying. <laughs> Except the Neelix's lugs part, which was hilarious. <laughs> Oh, I'm just dead because early Neelix can really take it out of you. Can haunt you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's where he learned his best skills is like he's so haunting. He was able to haunt the children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I do. Like one of my first notes in the haunting of deck 12 is Neelix is so creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and I think um, this is. <laughs> oh, God. I, I don't want this to be the Neelix special um <laughs> but it, like the whole episode starts with he has a jump scare in the kitchen yeah. i'm like oh my god like Literally. here we go i thought also it was kind of a weird vibe because it shows before the intro like voyager's shutting down they're looking at a nebula outside and harry's like i see a bat and dom's like i <laughs> yeah. see a vampire and i'm like, what? like yeah like tuvok what do you see and he's like i see some assholes <laughs> <laughs> I see some clouds. I see some idiots around (laughs) this bridge. Yeah. And uh, so I thought that was like a kind of weird attempt to make this like a spooky episode, like a la Cat's Paw, you know, where Kirk says trick or treat. (laughs) I just thought it was like shoved in a little strangely. But otherwise, I'm very haunted throughout this episode. And I love that it's told through the lens of a ghost story. It's reminding me of Goosebumps. I don't know if you ever read those books. No, I didn't. Or saw those episodes, Rihanna. I am such a sucker for like sitting around a campfire, like talking. And I loved stories that like ended up being spooky stories, you know? Yes, Um, Because it's such a special moment where you can all like be with people, like physically close to them. And then I'll share in this experience and like have this whole like, 
have this whole this whole like, journey where your your uh-huh. adrenaline is rushing. You're like, oh my god, what happened next? Even if you know it's probably yeah. not true. And mm-hmm. like you said, Rihanna, these are born children. They are very smart. Nothing really should yeah. scare them because they are the scariest creatures. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, they're still kill- children, and they're learning about their identities. And so yeah. I love that one of the other tw- one of the twins is like kind of freaking out throughout. He's like, what happened next? But you're right. Like the storytelling is so essential for kids and adults to have yeah exactly um so then so we're seeing what's actually happening like why is deck 12 closed off why are they doing a system restart for three hours and I love also that Neelix has like the ultimate third person perspective like he's describing events that he didn't even take place in it's amazing yeah that was cracking me up like there's a whole Janeway scene where he's nowhere to be found and she's like talking to the to Voyager yeah well I mean the first scene is her and Chakotay in her quarters like Neelix was not there for that he probably just wrote wrote in some scenes he's like I know this is how they interact yeah well this I also have to point out this scene because Janeway tries to order coffee the first cup is terrible second cup just the coffee comes out like as liquid and then the cup appears after and she kind of passed the replicator and she's like we're starting off on a bad foot today my friend which is (laughs) i thought at first was like a cute you know janewayism Mm -hmm. like she often talks to the replicator and that's just like who she is but that shot specifically of janeway like ordering coffee the second Mm -hmm. time is literally replicated in the second episode of prodigy Mm -hmm. um so mm-hmm. I just like I have to call out that mm-hmm. I was shaken yes. by seeing the new episode this week. Sorry, Rihanna, That's not really amazing. a spoiler, but no, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. In yeah. a twenty-four minute episode, literally spoiling like five seconds actually might be a big spoiler. So I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's <laughs> <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> um, uh, I I thought at first this scene was just like fluff nonsense, but yeah. it's actually really important that it, it starts off with Janeway talking to the replicator like this. Yeah, and you know, Ashlyn, as I was re-watching this episode, because like many of the episodes we've discussed in the series, I've only seen once when I was a kid, and or in high school or whatever, still a kid, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Either way, I remember so vividly the epi- this episode when the computer started talking to Janeway and saying, like, Captain Janeway is on the bridge, and like started, it was pr- essentially just Majel and Mulgrew getting to chat, and I remember that scene so vividly as a kid. So it was interesting that like some random aspects of these spooky episodes would like totally bring me back to that moment of watching it and being like, oh my gosh, like this is so scary. And I, I was really pleased because yes, this has a lot of humor elements, but it does really have those scary moments of the computer's voice, like leading Janeway to astrometrics and we turn out it's the alien talking through the computer, you know, in, in such a way that we've never seen before. Like, of course, we've seen Practical Joker where the computer's like, you know, really wrecked or whatever. <laughs> but it's different when like it can communicate only through like command the, codes. The limited like functions of the, the ship. Functions of its, and the functions of its vocabulary, you know? And so it's so interesting because... Janeway starts to put that, put that together yet again. Janeway solving the problems of the day. Oh man, it's so beautiful. I just love the they can really get this episode to be spooky still. Yes. Okay. And exactly what you're saying, Rihanna. I'm I'm totally with you. And I think one aspect that they should talk about more, or like there should mm-hmm. be more episodes about, is how essential the computer is like obviously we've explored this in many episodes but i thought this it was particularly relevant in this one because very small small problems can escalate into major issues on the ship like when comms go down that's a huge issue 
because people mm-hmm. are in completely separate parts of the ship and they are not aware of what's going on. So like, um, yes. Harry or not Harry, there's this like Bajoran lady walking around. She's really scared. Yeah. Uh, she mm-hmm. thinks that they've been boarded. And she's terrified mm. because she hasn't seen anyone. She's, she's wondering. She's a lower decker. She doesn't yeah. know what the, the yeah. Yeah, and know. it's not like there was a shipwide announcement. Like, they need to figure this out. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> like, this is, like, just comms is, is one system, but it's vital. Uh, mm. And then, I mean, just like they can't interface with the computer the way that they normally can, things that they completely take for granted are stripped from them in this episode. Yeah. And it just shows you like who are we without our technology and how can we deal with these problems without the like face of the ship to hide behind it's not like there's a communicator luckily yeah. it used the computer so it worked out but yeah. otherwise this would be an enterprise episode but um really i just love that the answer was through diplomacy i just like how yes. how were they able to wrap this like spooky story into a motivational like let's just try to communicate and understand yes. each other on a basic level. Like, how, how yes. do they do that? <laughs> Ashlyn, thank you. That's so true. The, I mean, the creature, which turns out, was furious that its home had been destroyed and was, like, ready to kill. And it was so creepy that the Voyager voice, <laughs> Majel's voice, is like, um, you have one minute of oxygen left. And, you know, just, like, take, removing oxygen from the bridge. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, she could literally kill you at any second. These aliens could. And so... Um, yeah, like, she, Janeway has this incredible, incredible moment where it's, like, pretty much a standoff between herself and the computer aliens and, and Voyager, um, Voyager systems, and that's when it, it's trying to kill her, and she says, like, I will go down d- diplomatic, and I will not, like, do this any other way, and, like, you'll have to kill me before you can take my ship, and it's like, okay, I'm killing you then, and, like, I'm thinking, oh my god, she's dead, <laughs> you know, like, of course, if this isn't, episodic and she's gonna be fine by the end of it it, i would be way more terrified well and you know what like the stakes are the entire crew has been launched off into escape pods and so there's no one on board except for janeway and so i just oh god i love her so much because this plays into her exact like strength and weakness at the same time because she has like the michael problem where she has to do everything herself um in order like she has to have that control she has to be the one like bearing the brunt of the burden for her crew because she loves them so much and so she's like like okay if you can give her the credit and say yes she has the wits to outsmart this computer that's true but also she took that risk because there was no one else on board and only she would die because of it you know and like the reward of calling her bluff and like making sure and and like saving everyone is like yeah they get to keep Voyager which is their only way home and so yeah I just it, it just ah it brings out all of these like very like simple facts about Janeway that are just so clear with her face off and I just thought Kate Mulgrew did an insane oh. job in this scene like her voice changes she's losing it and we her rarely we yeah. rarely see Janeway get to actually like let loose and she was yes. I mean. Man, just oh, glorious, glorious it was marvelous moment to watch. Yeah, and I just do want to note too that Neelix, Neelix's role of fear in this is really good. Like the way that Neelix shows his fear in this and everything is like kind of brings out my fears. I have some claustrophobia. You know, like anyone can be scared of the dark. It's like Loki. I'm very scared of the dark. <laughs> yeah, this is terrifying. And like especially Voyager being in this position, I think is really brings out what Neelix is most afraid of. And it really reminded me the scene with him and Tuvok, the scene with T'Pol and Hoshi, where Hoshi is like 
dealing with her claustrophobia and her like first few missions out and everything and she's having like a panic attack and then same thing with Neelix he's freaking out because the lights went out as they're like climbing through these Jeffrey tubes it's horrible and Tuvok is able to like coach him through it and it just reminds me of like wow these everyone bands together and understands that like we're dealing with really scary things that like people have certain triggers to it really hits me you know and I really love that they're able to talk about Neelix's fears and in this really intelligent way and not just like laugh it off you know it's so well done and it really sets the tone for upcoming episodes with neelix uh, well. yeah well and also because loki tuvok hates neelix he does he really he hates, hates neelix we're gonna yeah. talk soon about mm-hmm. the, how deep that hatred runs <laughs> like literally literally yeah. like uh, yeah so yeah. rihanna thank you for pointing that out i never thought about that with the mm-hmm. hoshi and Tepol scene is so special and yeah. sticks out absolutely um yeah I also want to go, you were talking about just fear and the role that Neelix has in it. I mm-hmm. really love the conversation that Ichip and Neelix get into when mm-hmm. they're in the cargo bay. And uh, Ichip says, because, you know, they're all talking about, like, why are you afraid of things? Why do we have fear as beings? Mm-hmm. And Ichip says, fear keeps people from achieving their goals. So Ichip sees fear as a hindrance, something mm-hmm. to be overcome. Yeah. And then Neelix says... Fear keeps you from putting yourself in unnecessary danger, which is true. And this is why, like, we have fear and why we Mm -hmm. have anxiety as, like, cavemen trying to survive in the modern world. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And uh, so I just, I love that, like, different discussion that they have. I think later, Janeway or someone says fear is something to be overcome. And this is... I can't wait to talk about that. This is the vibe I get from Voyager Mm -hmm. in general. And I also want to go back to a second to Coda because there's... I'm secretly making this my Janeway essay. So I just have to connect some strings. Yes, absolutely. Um, So Bellana, the speech that she gave during Janeway's fake funeral in Coda, she ends the speech by saying, the knowledge she gave me was that we are better and stronger than we think. I just, like, that quote has actually been sticking with me since I saw this episode a couple days ago because that's exactly how I feel watching Janeway. And and that's how the crew reacts to her as well. Yes. <sighs> wow. Thank so you, I just, one. like, in context of, like, how she deals with fear, mm-hmm. it's just, like, F you, fear. I'm just going to, yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yes. Yeah, Can't wait. we we yeah. have we have more discussions coming. I just want to start tying these threads together. <laughs> oh, thank you, Ashlyn. And I think let's just keep tying them because now we are entering our psychological segment of this episode. But let's first discuss night because I think Ashlyn, we just we are completely just going to tie some of Janeway's psychological, you know, sort of reactions to these certain situations from Coda from night from <laughs> course oblivion and we've, we've already seen it so many times so let's talk about it oh let's my talk god about i feel like I'm you so i just won yeah. the lottery i get to talk about janeway again and we get to talk about an episode that kate mulgrew herself brought up in bloomington uh during the q a that she wished could have explored more of Janeway's loneliness and isolation. And Ashlyn, this was like an 11th hour add-in, and I'm so glad it was because it's such a great episode. Well, Rihanna, you see right through me. You, this is why yeah. I added it to the watch list yeah. because she met, literally Kate Mulgrew told me to put it in to the watch, watch list. Yeah, so exactly. I, I said, okay. Um, yeah. So Night is not a traditional spooky episode. 
But this is November, y'all. This is past the pumpkin time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no pumpkin pie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, this this one for me, and this is how I justified it to Rihanna to keep it in the watch list. Again, not that she needed convincing, but I just said like this is mental health. Like this goes into the depths of what humanity struggles with and Mm -hmm. how Janeway deals with her own mental health during times of trouble and strife. And this, this does not come up like literally ever again in the whole series. So I just thought it was a great like examination of her character. Voyager is traveling through a part of space that is going to take, I think like three months or four, no, like two years. Two years. Oh God. Okay. So it's going to more years. They've already been in there. What? Four weeks. I think like two months. Yeah. Yeah. So they've already, yes, it's going to take two years to cross this expanse and there's no stars at all. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like a pretty, you know, like casual thing to do, but the crew starts like they're really bored. They're really restless. It's called the void because there's just nothing going on in this area yeah. of space. Like there's no nobody to interact with. There's no, no anomalies, no planets, nothing at all, and no stars. And this is affecting everybody differently. We see fights breaking out, especially between Tom and Bolana. Classic. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry or Tom suggests a fight schedule, which you know he's he's being very organized yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> with Bolana. Even, like, Neelix, the morale officer, is having a really yeah. hard time with it. And he gets diagnosed with the fear of nothingness. <laughs> it's just very... <laughs> It's very sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Janeway doesn't even have an appearance until, like, 20 minutes in. And we see a whole officer briefing without her there. And at the very last minute, Neelix brings up, because only Neelix, I think, has the balls to even bring it up. Yes, like, totally. Like, the crew misses the captain, and she's better on the ship. And yeah, better on the bridge. Like, they are suffering without her out here. And Chakotay, in his defense... He comes to her defense, like oh my god, he's he like, like yelling. He, I'm yeah. like, he just asked a question, my dude. Yeah, he's like the captain can run the ship from wherever the hell she wants. Literally, is yeah. what she, he says. And literally. I think part of it Captain's is prerogative. I think like he's also has these same frustrations with yes. her that the rest of the crew is having. But it's like that thing where you can't like Rihanna. I can insult you, but no one yes. else can insult exactly, you. Exactly. Yeah. And I think Chicote feels that protectiveness over her. Like he understands to an he's extent. Seen, he's the only one who talks with her, so he's seen up close what she's going through. And yeah. He knows. And so he's yeah. like, I'm not taking any slack because she's under extreme pressure that like yeah. no one else can imagine right now. And I mean, he gets ugh. it, I think, to an extent because he was the Maki, you know, uh, captain. I don't know for how long, but like. He has been a captain before and experienced that type of loneliness, especially on a Maquis ship where, like, you just have a whole different structure and a whole bigger stakes, obviously. So I think that he really can understand to a smaller extent. But Janeway, of course, is really guiding herself by guilt right now. And it's because they have nothing to distract her. And we see even on a good day, Janeway will work through her hospital trips. And right when she was, like, literally died almost in coda and then she's like right back to work she's like this is what settles my mind um is like activity and i'm the same way very much so so i really feel that and so this episode is like haunting for me because 
every single shot, make sure that you see the blackness outside, you know? And I think that that is so genius. This opening sequence is so cool. It's got like kind of older, like noir spooky vibes almost because we've got Chaotica. And so you get like a kind of fun black and white, like, oh great, something's going on. People are clearly stressed trying to use the holodeck and everything. Um, But then like you said, we get Chakotay's briefing and sort of seeing him on the bridge and feeling that absence of Janeway, because I would feel way more at ease in the beginning of this episode if she hadn't, if she'd been there, because I'm like, okay, well, at least Janeway's here. This sounds pretty awful what they're going through, but I just want to applaud the design and everything, because I know they just add little stars to the screen, you know, <laughs> to, to zoom by, but you notice it in every shot when I, when I was watching Night compared to any any other episode of Voyager they're present and you forget how present they are until they're gone. And so it throws me off every scene. I would definitely have curtains over my windows. I'd be a mess, I think. Like, I'd be like Neelix, like, this episode really hits home. Again, I'm just like, this is a psychological thriller this episode is to me. I'm glad that you're not saying that this episode reminds you of living in our tiny apartment in San Francisco yeah, because you didn't have, have a window. A window. <laughs> Don't say that because it will now. Oh, God. I, mean, I would come into your room and just, like, sit on the bed for some sunlight, like, on a plant. I had that. We were living in, like, the bottom of a duplex, but the bottom yeah. was, like, not really. Should have not been no, lived in But it's San Francisco, so you do what you can. Yeah, there was one window in that house, and it was in my room. Like, mm-hmm. not even in the kitchen or the fire room. Hazard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would have died if there was a fire. Yeah. Oh, God, I don't even say that. Oh, my God. Man, we've lived such a life. Literally. We're in a house with windows now. It's amazing. Yes, I'm looking out of a window right now, and there's no, yes, there's like, no void. No poop on the street if we're oh. living the high life. That's true. Yeah, no void either. So, yeah, I just can really relate to Neelix in this. And, oof, yeah. I mean, for me, like, this episode also can't help but remind me of COVID, especially mm-hmm. now that we yes. are out of the lockdown period yeah. and have been for so long and now starting to see how this period of isolation affected us so much. Yeah. I'm different than I was before the pandemic, and totally. I did not think I would change that much, but I find myself in social situations that I used to thrive in, and I find myself questioning how how does this work how, how did yes. I used to start a conversation 100%. with someone Literally. how yeah. did this used to flow naturally and I can get there but mm. it's a, a challenge and it never used to be and so I think about that for the Voyager crew like what if they had actually spent two years yeah. in this void and what would happen with them totally totally <sighs> Ooh, it's it's quite yeah it's a really ghastly thought and I think too what I love about this episode is that we get the doctor's perspective because he's essentially Sako from Bo Burnham's Inside. He really brought Sako into this. (laughs) (laughs) Brought Sako into this. No, literally, because he goes into a frightening liminal space. (laughs) He goes into a void uh, every time his program is turned off. And so he goes, the existential horror of it all, you'll get used to it, you know? And like, obviously the doctor still doesn't have like great bedside manner even in season five so i'm just like bro he's actually going through like an existential crisis but also the doctor kind of did as well in his own way and so it's interesting to see how they all psychologically handle it like tuvok's meditating people are using the holodecks like crazy tuvok gets to tell chakotay a bit more about janeway and her sort of inner thoughts and that comes with knowing her for so long that Chote's like, I just need to know more about why she's isolating herself like this. And Tuvok says guilt has been her constant companion. She ended up isolating herself. And Tuvok's like, 
predictably she will act like this again if given the chance and she does immediately Tuvok literally guesses Janeway's moves in like all of these episodes it's freaking amazing yeah I love the story that he mentions because I think it's just Mm -hmm. a perfect example of who Janeway is yeah when she was a commander on the USS Billings she sent three uh people down to the planet to like to get a scan and they ended up getting like really injured um, mm-hmm. and like almost died. Mm-hmm. And uh, she felt so bad that the next day, she, instead of sending three more people to do the survey, she went mm-hmm. down by herself and did the yeah. survey and like she could have died. But she wanted those people who she injured mm-hmm. to know that it wasn't in vain, you know? Yeah. And this is a very like interesting reason, like not because yeah. she wanted to right her wrong, but because no. what they did and how they got injured had a purpose. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> Daneway. <laughs> and she's feeling really purposeless here when yes. she's in the void because she has nothing to occupy her. She's getting to really reflect on what she did um, with the Kazon and stranding the crew in the Delta Quadrant. And I think, like, of course this decision weighs with her every day, but it weighs more when you have nothing to distract you. And it's constant night. I love that they called it night, you know, because... It, it is sort of like that. those nighttime woes where you like think about everything you did wrong in your life. But she has to deal with this every single moment of the day. You know, it's like something she like can't shake off. The cobwebs are still there. And so I just really love that um, they have some action to bring her out of this and to teach her that like the crew is going to stick by her because they have that entire scene at the end that is so good that they all pretty much mutiny (laughs) and say, no, we're not letting you strand yourself here in the void for two years. Absolutely not. Like, are you serious? Yes. I love the scene. And I, I love it too, because like Chakotay has betrayed her confidence and he would never do this usually, you know, he's not a gossiper. He's not going to like be telling her business to the crew, but this is a moment where she desperately needs some comfort and some just love, you know? Yeah. She's, like, so lonely and isolated as the captain. And, I mean, there's so many Star Trek episodes that have a quote along this line. Like, once a, once a captain starts questioning themselves, it's all over. And yes. I think for Janeway, like, she hasn't had the time to think about this choice. So Mm-mm. it's haunting her. And I, I honestly think if Chakotay had not told the crew, they would have done the same thing. Maybe, like, yeah. they would have taken a little longer. Like, this like, was clearly a coordinated effort, but, yeah, like, I think it would have taken, like, one or two officers being like, this is dumb. Mm-hmm. We're, We're not, not doing this. this. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love that. And, Ashlyn, the spookiest part of this episode is the fact that we have some um, people who are willing to kill an entire species just so they won't get themselves out of a job. That sounds too familiar. Um, Climate change is real and it's affecting everyone. That's the spookiest part of this episode. Yeah, the fact is that, like, yeah, he didn't want to take it back to his friends because he would, like, lose his job eventually. He's like, we have to keep throwing trash in the void. Yeah. 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 For this species that was dying. Yep. So she saved the species and Voyager was able to get out because they thought of another solution and worked together. Before we move on, I have one more point that I want to make. Yes, um, please. Very important.
and then check up. Check up. And then two bug itchers. Um, I just thought a little Echoes of the Void would work perfectly for our spooky episode. Um, yes, thank you, Ashlyn. I think that really sets a mood. The thing that I have to say is that Harry, after this scene ends, the ship like starts to shake and he's so excited. He's like, oh, let me go see what it is because I'm so yeah. bored. He's just playing on the bridge. He has a clarinet in his hand and he jumps up over the rail to the top of the bridge. And I can't tell if it's the coolest thing that anyone has ever done or if it's the most stupid thing because... I was actually, this scene really was haunting me today because, like, I live with a trumpet player and his instruments are so valuable. Like, if you get a dent in it, it completely affects the sound. Mm -hmm. And his trumpets are expensive. And it, like, it takes a lot of time and money to, like, purchase a good instrument because they were all made in, like, such different circumstances and there's different brands. And this is not just the case with trumpets. Like, this is the case with every instrument. And so Harry... Effing Kim is like holding his clarinet and jumping over the rail. I just, I couldn't believe my eyes. <laughs> he can just replicate a new one. Well, see, he doesn't Rihanna, care about money. This is what sent me into the existential crisis. Is like, yeah. if he damages his clarinet, can he just replicate a new one? And will it sound the same? Because yeah, it. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. I thought That's you were saying really yeah. Question. I was like, well, Rihanna, did I have some research? For you. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I don't know. Like, I assume this is the clarinet that he got from Earth. I yeah, mean, but didn't he leave it behind and they didn't have time? It was the whole thing. Oh, you're right. So this is a replicated. Okay, well, it then maybe he doesn't care. But I just I just feel like humans have such attractions to objects and especially yeah. like a connection to your own musical instrument. Like the thing that you Huge. use to express yourself seems like he would do better than to jump over the rail with it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Ashlyn. I'm Period. sorry. I mean, that's like, a great, I, great I, point. I honestly cannot kid you, Rihanna, that I have thought about this like <laughs> several times. Yeah. <laughs> It's I mean, haunting the it's things behind Ashlyn. It's <laughs> <laughs> a leaping Harry Kim. My God. Oh my God. Jesus. Okay, well, let's go on from that fantastic episode to another, yes. like, very scary moment. Remember when we said that Tuvok didn't like Neelix? Well, yes. <laughs> here's why. Here's our here's our reasoning. Here's the here's the conclusion. <laughs> exactly. This is a season two episode, mind you. So they went in hard <laughs> with the scary episodes right off the bat. Uh, we are still learning quite a lot, I think, about these characters, and we probably have had a Tuvok centric episode. I don't know when the one where he's like, "I was on the precipice," is, but um, you know, he gets the centric ones. But this is such a delve into the mind of a killer and the mind of Tuvok and the effects of a meld which of course is the episode meld that we're discussing yes this is the origin of the murderer on voyager in case anyone's yes. ever heard of him um yeah this is <laughs> his name's suitor why he's a murderer yeah, yeah. um balana calls tuvok down because she finds a body in engineering and uh it doesn't take long to figure out that it's suitor because mm-hmm. Chakotay said he always had a weird feeling about him. He would mercilessly, like, murder Cardassians. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, when yeah. the chance was given to him, he would almost murder Chakotay. Like, if yeah, Chakotay said, tried to stop him. Sorry, yeah. Chakotay said to Tuvok that in combat, there was something in his eyes. Ooh. So, and Tuvok goes, why didn't you report this <laughs> <laughs> when we first joined Voyager? Oh, so he said that, well, that's a lot of the tendencies of the Maquis crew, and I didn't want to yeah. give them like, any more strikes yeah. against them than they, than they already had. Sure. 
but this is a murdery individual. Like, if you're getting murder vibes, I think you should, like, inform someone, even if they're mucky. So, um, this is a question that, like, we have a couple times throughout this. Is like, why didn't people come to talk about, to, to talk to Tuvok about Suter sooner? But, yeah, so, Ashlyn, what do you, I'm curious, do you remember a lot about Suter as a character watching Voyager through the first time? Um, I just... No, like, from this episode, no. I remember nothing. Yeah. Um, I remember him, like, in his heroic moments. I do not remember the origin. The murdery kind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I've always... I remember as a kid just being really scared of him. Like, I, he really... It, this actor is so great at giving us a true look into a murderer's eyes and a murderer's standpoint. And especially the way that he can go from being, like, really creepy, sort of, sort of emotionless... Um, but still, like, there's some, like, maliciousness in his eyes when they, he's in the brig. And then after he does the meld with Tuvok, he's, like, calm. And not just, like, that, like, sort of boiling, like, something under the surface calm. He's, like, calm. Like, Tuvok calm. And so it's really cool to see the acting in this. And I'm going to pull up his name. Yes. I thought particularly, like, the fact, because we find out, like, he, he literally admits to it. Once there's evidence, Suter says, yep, I, like, there's no use hiding it anymore. I did it. And there's just something so creepy about him admitting his guilt and clearly yeah. not feeling sorrow from it at no, all. Like, he says he doesn't. No yeah. remorse. Yeah. And he did it because someone gave him a weird look. And this is um, Brad Dourif who plays him. So, such a good actor. Like, he always freaked me out as a kid. And that's, like, the sign of a good, you know, great acting talent. Um, but, yeah, like... Suter <laughs> just he says that the guy who he killed gave him a weird look and that's why he killed him and it wasn't really that he was about Starfleet or you know was even particularly that awful to Suter it was just like he had this urge to kill and so he did yikes yeah and Suvox decides to meld with him and mm -hmm. he thinks I'm just gonna help him get on the straight and narrow maybe he'll pick up some of my self-discipline habits what can go wrong turns <laughs> out uh, I think the doctor later explains part of it is because of a, like, imbalance going on in the meld because mm -hmm. Betazoids, like, their brain chemistry is so different from Vulcans that, yeah. and, like, they're both, like, telepathic species. There's just something going on in the meld that messed up Tuvok, and he kind of got, like, this murderous intent transferred to him from yeah. Suter, which is terrifying to see because Tuvok is our, like, full Vulcan, like, very trained very wonderful Vulcan and he yeah. completely is exploring these like insane tendencies that he's having including like there's a scene where he literally strangles Neelix on the holodeck <laughs> yeah I thought it was real at first because Same. he is being annoying like as to usual uh, like, I'm Neelix smile. is the peak of annoying this is when he like pulls up Tuvok's lip to make him smile yeah. it's, it's awful it's disgusting all of that whole like like, we've, we've talked about a lot, like, prodding at Vulcans to feel is just so, like, human-centric, and it's just, like, xenophobic, and I hate it, um, especially with Tuvok, who is, like, clearly had so many times saying, like, no, thank you, no, thank you, get out of my way. And, of course, it's the holodeck, so he was designed to be annoying so <laughs> yeah. Tuvok could kill yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, what a creepy program, you know, and I think about how many times Suter probably went on the holodeck, and he said to Tuvok, like, oh, but the holodeck ones just don't have the real kick, you know, of, like, killing a person, and I'm like, ooh. That's so creepy. Like, they, the one-liners in this are really well done. Yes. I also want to mention that, uh, like, when I think about a disturbed individual talking to a character that we like behind bars, the obvious mm -hmm. visual is Hannibal Lecter. 
but yes, I think Suter is not quite like Hannibal because he's not, or like Joran, like we talked about in DS9, like mm-hmm. he's not manipulating Tuvok at all. No. What's scary about him is it's just who he is. He's so yeah. calm and yet he just like freely admits, he's like, yeah, murder, you know? It just, it's just exactly it's Hannibal creepy. when he says, like, I ate his liver with lo- fava beans true, or whatever, true, you know? True, true, just true, Just openly admitting to those horrible crimes. Yeah. Ashlyn, thank you for saying that, because, like, he has just sort of an open discussion with Tuvok about violence, and he asks him, knowing violence as I've known it, it's attractive, isn't it? And Tuvok is like, no, of course not, it's not attractive. Um, and he goes on, Suter goes on to say, a mind meld is almost an act of violence. Penetration, your will dissolving mind, the joining. It seems to me that a mind meld might be fatal if you lost control. So we can see a little bit of manipulation here because he's like, it'd be cool if I could get Tuvok to kill someone. You know, he, but he's logic still. And he's like turned into sort of this man of just like, I'm going to tell you the truth of how I see violence and how I would kill somebody is a mind meld. I didn't see it as he was trying to manipulate Tuvok, more that he was trying to get Tuvok onto his side, like, to understand his perspective. Yeah. And, like, oh, you see, like, I'm reaching to you in a way that you can understand, like, a mind meld is something that is so powerful and can, you can so easily overpower someone with it. So, doesn't that appeal to you? Like, isn't that beautiful to you? And... Mm. Like, yeah. I think it's more like, not, not not like he's trying to launch Tuvok on the crew, but uh-huh. that he's trying to get him to understand, like, that these violent tendencies aren't necessarily, mm-hmm. um, like, everything he first thought them to be. Wow, I love that. That's really, that's really great, yeah. Oh, it's just, what a great little psychological game we're seeing here, because Tuvok is transforming, you know, into this completely different person who, he's, like, holding himself off physically from the crew, in his quarters and everything and when Janeway tries to come and talk with him he hides himself away because he said I thought about these ways I can kill you and he says I reached 94 when you entered you know and so he's clearly worried for for the crew and holding back with all his will to not like just lash out at Janeway and kill her and um ooh, this is really scary to see our, our sweet like you said sweet gentle Tuvok yeah I think one of the worst parts for me too is like how he interacts with Janeway because I kind of expected her to be able to break that shell and Mm -hmm. like connect with him on a human level and he just says like I will hurt you please don't like he 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 just he's very clear about what's going on in his mind and to her credit Mm -hmm. like Janeway completely just doesn't even question him she's like okay I'm putting up a force field and this is how your treatment's gonna go blah 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 um, but when Tuvok is behind the force field and he's being treated and, uh, the doctor had to remove his ability to hide his emotions, this Ooh. is the, the line, Rihanna. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is how my ancestors must have felt. Yes. Because he's talking <laughs> about the animalistic, violent tendencies that Tuvok, or that Vulcans used to have. And I, this did mm-hmm. make me think the reasons why so many Vulcans dislike humans, especially in the beginning of Star Trek, is because they remind them of what they used to be and for Tuvok I I think because he's usually so reserved and so calm it's shocking to see him like this um and and like wow I'm glad the Vulcans did get it under control because this is really crazy what's happening right now like the way that he's acting is insane um I'm not saying hashtag all Vulcans but um yeah like I can't imagine what Vulcan would have been like what what would society be like with that type of like roaming passion I was just thinking a lot about um, humans and uh, 
meh, sorry. Um, get under control. Meh. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking a lot about, like, the history and, like, why we're, like, still a trigger to Vulcans. Totally. That was such beautiful insight, Ashlyn. For such a great episode, it's such an interesting look into Suter and into Tuvok and the rehabilitation that can happen. Only because Janeway makes sure that he's, like, doesn't execute him because Tuvok wants to execute him as sort of his judgment. So, oof. We, they're able to rehabilitate him, um, as we see. So, Ashlyn, should we talk about another one of our characters going a little mad? <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, this is the, this is Darkling. This is the Doctor, like, literally losing it. Um, yeah. I, I, so I think the Doctor, like, he has such an interesting arc because obviously he's trying to improve himself throughout mm-hmm. Voyager. And in this episode, we see him on the holodeck mingling with, like, Gandhi. Um, is it Gandhi? Gandhi and Lord Byron, um, I think Kant is there, you know, all of the the supposed greats, the greatest poets and literary writers and peacemakers of, I guess, old earth, <laughs> question mark, question mark. Yeah, there's no, Serac, yeah. I don't think was there, was he? No, but T'Pau Vulcan was. Oh, T'Pau, yeah. And Kirk would have freaked out. He loves T'Pau. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, that's T'Pau. He's loved in front of T'Pau. <laughs> this episode definitely has its spooky elements but i think like what is truly the the part that scares me is just seeing our doctor go completely against hippocratic oath he pushes someone off a cliff he kidnaps kess he's like being horribly creepy to balana i thought that was actually the creepiest part even though it probably is not the scene that the writers thought would be the creepiest i'm like he's like kind of like touching her and like and it's just not good and so and like he keeps hypoing her so she can't move yeah he paralyzes her he uses his doctor's knowledge to basically like incapacitate her yeah it's awful and i don't know how balana like could ever interact with him again (laughs) it's very feeling horrid yeah yeah very disturbing yeah and so it turns out that the doctor, he's like, I think there's been a glitch. Yeah. <laughs> because the system has, he's like, try to incorporate all of these beings into his, or all of these uh, characters from history into his subroutines. And Bellana's like, are you serious? That's not a good idea. Like, we don't know how the holodeck subroutines will, um, these personality subroutines will work with yours. And it turns out they pretty much take over. And so he's like all of like history's darkest parts the darkling the uh, darkest threads of each of these characters minds yes yeah i thought that was a great speech when he talks about like what he's become because all these people like, yeah and in balana has this conversation too where our personalities they work because we have these balances and counterbalances within our yeah. like souls and so we try to not cave to our darkest tendencies because we're trying to do good all of us are doing mm-hmm. our best, no matter what you say. Everyone yeah. at every moment is doing their best and totally. uh, fighting the darkness. <laughs> and yeah. basically the doctor is the darkness that they never succumbed to. So, like, we see, yes. I mean, you already said it, like, he pushed Kess's boyfriend off a cliff. Or did you already say it? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's completely creepy and awful. And, uh, (laughs) summary of this episode. (laughs) Yeah. I really like, I don't like it. It's completely creepful. Also like low key Tom Paris should be more aware. Cause there's a scene where creepy Byron doctor is like on the turbo lift for no reason. I mean, yeah, he's, he's trying to murder, 
Um, yeah. And then, like, Tom looks at him, and the doctor looks awful, like, straight, like, his dirt awful. on his face. He looks terrible. And his eyes are creepy as hell. Yeah, yeah, and he's not responding to Tom in the hall, in the turbo mm-hmm. lift, and Tom's like, wow. And he just leaves, and I'm like, bro, it's like, have some yeah. awareness. Like, this is a ship that wow. anything could be happening. <laughs> yeah. Don't just say wow and leave. Yeah. yeah, that was very strange. Yeah, and, like, I feel like this is... Robert Picardo just having a field day, getting to completely play a different yes. character, get to show the dark sides of himself um, and of pe- of humanity. That's really interesting. But I thought, too, the scene where Cass walks into the holodeck and Gandhi's head is, like, spinning and uh, T'Pau is, like, is glitching and Byron and, like, Plato have been, like, yeah. cut in half or something. It's, like, it's really freaky. You know, he's, like, dissecting these holograms and trying to figure out, like, where he can keep getting this darkness, keep feeding off of it, because his subroutines are getting deleted, the evil ones. So, anyway, it's really scary, because we see this computer, pretty much as hologram, who can do anything without barely a trace. So. Yes. Yes. Spooky, spooky, yeah. spooky. Thank you, yeah, Rihanna. Um, yes. Yeah. Ugh. Well, okay, I think now... Um, we have the Doctor, who is such a feature in 709's life, in the episode mm-hmm. one we get to see that they have to work together for a lot longer than they bargained for because this is a really cool episode, by the way. If you've not seen it recently and you're looking for a really spicy 709 episode, this is wonderful. Um, Mm -hmm. One is in season four at the very end. And Mm -hmm. uh, essentially the Mataran Nebula stands in their path and it's going to take a year to go around, which is wasted time no one wants to spend. Or it can take a month going through but putting the crew completely into stasis and i just i have to stop and celebrate because i have been calling for a crew wide sleep session for all of these spooky episodes like when there's something going on and it's affecting the whole crew just put them all to bed so i was delighted to see that this was the conclusion they came to this is correct (laughs) you literally have been talking about the whole time voyagers finally learning they watched the the history t- tapes <laughs> so i mean jane may study picard really hard so she was like they should have yeah. put him out when the crew was turning into monkeys like that's what i'm saying <laughs> literally exactly <laughs> <laughs> okay so i love this episode i actually was looking for a voyager episode to watch a couple months ago and a lovely twitter person do not remember who it was but they told me to watch this one and i did and then like ran to Ashland for the spooky series and it's like we have to put this on here because we get to experience 709 facing her fears and how deeply psychological they go because she's she's now post Borg for only a bit of a season and is of course still regaining her humanity and understanding who she is as an individual and we learned that the collective of course It's horrible when you're ripped from the collective because you're used to everyone's minds as one. And so then it's just you alone in like the void of your own mind. And so Seven said that even one time she was uh, disconnected from the collective for two hours and she felt like increased anxiety. She felt horrible, just that loneliness. Yeah, this is something that's known is that the board just don't do well with isolation. And so I'm glad that Janeway brought this up with her, you know, Um, and even like a lot of people are having apprehension about Seven being the only one and the Doctor, of course, like awake to help them, awake to yeah. monitor them while they're in the tubes. Because as Chakotay said, she was just a Borg like at the beginning of the season. And you, he's talking to Janeway, you have seen things in her that none of us could have seen. 
And so I'll trust you on this, but I'm not saying I feel comfortable in this. And I think for Seven, this is a huge compliment to her that Janeway thinks that she can handle this. But I'm I'm just glad that the conversation does happen where Janeway says, this could be really traumatizing for you, you know, like, so you have to be ready to face it. I kind of want to talk about the turning points. We talked about how she is facing her ultimate fear of being alone and of being unable to share with the people around her the experience happening to her and this increases so much when the doctor is taken offline his holometer i should say is taken offline it starts failing because the ship systems are having real real problem getting through this nebula i just i'm sorry to interrupt but like it's crazy to me that they don't have holometers throughout the entire ship thank you it's like what season is this like four i think it's the end of season four yeah. If he has a hollow emitter, but not the ability. Because, like, he's, like, sprinting back to sickbay. Because yeah. if he doesn't get back there in time, his entire file is erased. I think that's just, like, really extra drama, you know? <laughs> like, that they don't For no purpose. Yeah, yeah, like, why don't they have, a, like, a flash drive of him saved somewhere that's not the main computer, you know? Yeah, it unnecessarily raises the stakes in this episode. Hollow emitters should be everywhere. I feel like this is definitely the turning point for Seven when she's completely isolated. Because at least when she's annoyed with the doctor, they're annoyed together. <laughs> and it's something that, like, yeah, she hates how he complains all the time. But it's someone to talk to. And someone to experience what you're going through. And he does. But I'm like, I would have my communicator open, like, all the time. Just be chatting <laughs> with him from sickbay about my duties. Like, okay, now I'm going to replace this gel pack, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, that's not Seven's, <laughs> you know, like, go-to. But... I just find this like really disturbing for her because she's now completely isolated, the only one who can do every ship system. And each time the doctor is just like, okay, just go do it. Go work harder. Yes, Rihanna, I agree. I feel like because she is a former Borg, everyone kind of assumes that she has this intelligence that she got from the Borg and like remembers from her time with them, almost treating her like a computer as well. And so I think, like, sometimes Seven of Nine gets thrown into the data treatment where they just think you can do everything, so they rely on you for everything. And obviously Seven is the only person who is able to do this, which is really lucky (laughs) because of her board implants, we assume. And no one ever says why they don't, like, run her blood to see if they could make a cure for anyone else. (laughs) Like, literally, I was like, why are they even trying in this one? But it's fine. Um, They're not. They just wanted to get Seven on her own. Which Mm -hmm. is a great call. I also just want to say that for me, my husband goes on tour like once a month, sometimes for like 10 days. And so it gets lonely in the house. And I almost exclusively will have podcasts on or audiobooks or music pretty much like if there's 24-7. Yeah, all the time until I'm ready to go to bed and then I might have the TV on, you know. I really need that constant sense of like pretending that someone is with me. Obviously the first few days, like I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I'm having a great time. But then towards the end, I'm always like, okay, I'm ready for him to come back. And so I just feel sad that that's not like in Starfleet regulations or at at least seven is not like listening to music or something else. You know, to let the time go by. I think it's because she's so been trained out of it. That's what should have been what the doctor recommended, or it should have <laughs> it should have been something to suggest to her from any of the crew. Like I feel like I'd be like, oh yeah, I I totally put on like the symphony when I need to focus or whatever. I feel like Worf would be like, yeah, listening to Klingon symphonies all throughout the ship, blasting it. You know, oh, so yeah, 
it's also her nature that then sort of imprisons herself in this loneliness. And she starts to then create a whole person. Like, she hallucinates a whole person uh, similar to what O'Brien did as a coping mechanism in hard time. You know, like, it really reminded me of that, of when it, when in situations of extreme stress and isolation, you have to find a way to cope. Uh, and that might be creating another person to help you cope with it. Great point, Rihanna. Quick caveat, yeah. this person did not help her cope, and she created her like own worst fear. Again, thanks to the Borg. Yeah, dang. It's really interesting how this freighter captain manifests from her consciousness, because at first it seems pretty realistic to me. It is questioning that he has never heard of the Borg before, because I was doing yeah. some calculations like, uh... They just got seven this season. Like, this is yeah. definitely still Borg territory. So, like, that mm -hmm. kind of, like, had my first red flag. I just wasn't sure how I felt about his answer. But then, like, like slowly through all of her interactions with him, we start to see as an audience, like, this is not a real person. Something's but going on. It's yeah. really creepy. And especially when she ropes the doctor into her chase with him around the ship. Because the doctor's like, he must have some sort of cloaking technology on because he's not registering at all. And he yeah. doesn't even question that Seven could be hallucinating him because she's just so Seven. Like, she's never yes. done that before. That's the thing, is we're talking about how she's gotten the data treatment for sure. It's sort of like, oh, I can never imagine Seven to succumb to sort of the, like, human desire to shield oneself from trauma, you know? It's, it's interesting that that's what she's been doing her entire time here, like... The doctor is clearly not a psychiatrist and someone should be on the ship because she needed more tr prep than she got, especially being ripped from the Borg not so, like, pretty quick before this. So, I don't know. I, I think that the fact that when she does start hallucinating, this truly is just Seven, then it's even scarier for me because it is a very strong character who you see having these sort of quote-unquote failings. Um, that are truly just responses. And so it's such a good episode, though. It's really great for the psychological sort of questions that you ask yourself when confronting isolation like this. Yeah, absolutely. Rihanna, because we already talked about Night, I could not but think about it during this episode because we're yeah. seeing how two characters deal with loneliness and isolation. So I'm wondering for you, did you think that Seven's month alone was successful? Um, I, I mean, the thing about Star Trek is they always go, the psychological effects will last much longer, you know, and we don't see that. It's off screen. So I think, yeah, it got them through, but it was definitely to the detriment of Seven of Nine, and that's not fair to her. And I think that there could have been, yeah, like I said, more preparation for her and more of an understanding of, like, this could, this could really harm you for the future, are you willing to take that risk? And Janeway gave her somewhat of that, but there wasn't enough to prepare anyone for that kind of thing. She was running the entire ship by herself at one point. Um, that's extremely damaging, like, just to your stress levels, even for a former Borg who's super efficient. So, yes, it was successful, but hurting my baby, and I don't like that. Well, and particularly... For me, like, what I'm looking for is how is she able to push through when she's at her lowest moments? For me, like, the lowest moments are right at the end of the episode because the ship is completely failing. And so she knows, I just need to get them through, like, these 45 minutes. And she's imagining, she's, like, severely hallucinating. And she ends up 
taking power from 10 of the cryostasis chambers in yeah. order to keep propulsion systems going. So, I mean, we're at the most essential parts of the ship yeah. that are breaking down. Like, this is this is a huge issue. And this is when there's, like, 12 hours left, you know? So she's almost there. But if they get stuck right here, then she's completely screwed. Yeah, um, she has to keep going. Losing her mental grip. Yeah, and, and this is where we find out that she instead decided to sacrifice herself over sacrificing any of the crew, you know? Because that was what the hallucinations had taunted her about. No, you're totally right. I see so much Janeway in this decision. And I feel like that's someone that Seven is spending a lot of time with. Like, Janeway's her mentor. And also just the nature of coming out of the collective. She's finally like, I can give something back to the crew. I also think there's this added pressure because she feels like she has to prove herself in order to be accepted on the crew at some in some points because i mean you remember the beginning of the episode no one was really excited about this um balana and tom were really apprehensive chakotay even was like i don't know like she could just like kill us all and assimilate the ship seriously like this is a huge risk and so i think seven has all of this on her shoulders whether she acknowledges it or not and i i do think it's really noble and probably the best thing that she could have done was so one after she removes power from ten of the stasis chambers, she goes and eliminates life support on the entire ship in order to mm-hmm. continue to pump oxygen and let them continue on life support. <laughs> and she's without oxygen for like t- I don't know how long, but it's not good. Not too long. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, like I think this is how night could have ended if it wasn't for the crew, and the yeah. fact that Seven was able to get through this and come out okay is is pretty remarkable without anyone else (laughs) yeah yeah talk about too you know we we mentioned this in and and a child shall lead in tos where they're all like smiling and laughing when the kids are crying i was feeling similarly at this episode where woo, everyone's happy to be out of their as paris calls coffins you know they've just woke up from a nice sleep and Seven's, like, here, gone through this very traumatic experience, and they're all just grinning, and it's just, like, very unsettling to watch. We're the only ones who are with her the entire time as uh, viewers. Even the doctor didn't get to see everything. No, exactly. Wow. Oh, oh my goodness. So glad we got yeah. <laughs> Like, okay, breathe out one, and breathe in the thaw. The Okay, Talk everyone, get ready. This is our vo- our uh, nightmare section. So maybe yeah. if it's late at night, you should just take a break. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, just keep going. Just binge it through. We'll make you laugh, yeah. too. Um, <laughs> okay, so the thought. This was an episode I initially did not remember one bit, but once I started looking at the pictures, especially that crazy clown makeup, it all came back to me. Totally. This is classic season two Voyager. And like this, Mm -hmm. to me, these are the type of episodes that people remember when they're asking like, oh, what's your favorite series? And it's like, well, you know, Voyager had so many weird episodes in the beginning. It's so good, but it doesn't quite break as high. And I feel like that clown face is what's staring them in their brain at that point. They're like, well, I can't say Voyager because of the thaw. Yeah. Yeah, this is really a, a roller coaster for me because, you know, we're looking through such a particular lens and I'm trying to see on what level do, do these episodes spook me or really just freak me out, give me a lot to think about in the end. And 
this episode succeeds where it also fails, you know? Like, I'm so torn because I think that the themes of this episode are really interesting, but then the trekness of it that's always been there since TOS <laughs> just takes me right out. The weird music, the dancing, oh my God, the, like, it's so circus Trek. vibes. Like, yeah. I, yeah, we're complaining about, like, the backbone of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is fine, and of course it's got to be there, so it does add to the unsettling element, but I still feel like, okay, but go fully in. Let's not have a goofy, I mean, maybe that's the point, you know, that it's this creepy juxtaposition, but it doesn't work as well for me. Here's where, okay, so Rihanna, I agree with you. Here's where I'm going to throw a wrench in that. I I think, like, how they make it go further than other, like, kind of, annoying Trek episodes have is they add the fact that this ghost computer ghost that this clown computer guy who's running the system which hang on we'll give you a backstory in a second Um, (laughs) but he he can kill you in there and for me adding the like beheading device that like old-fashioned killing Mm -hmm. machine uh, old-fashioned guillotine guillotine thank you yeah (laughs) (laughs) Ashton really knows the names of old execution devices. (laughs) The guillotine, thank you. I think that brings it up a level in terms of stakes because it's not like, oh, the stakes are like, maybe you'll like float away or like something weird will happen to you. Like this is actually, you could die in this chamber on a weird planet in the Delta Quadrant and no one will ever talk about you again, you know? Literally, thank you for bringing this up. No, you're exactly right. This is what brought the fear for me. The realm of fear, shall we say. Wow. Um, <laughs> so so a bit about this plot is that there are was a colonist. There was a whole planet that was destroyed by a like, horrible ecosystem crisis. And some pods were, you know, people were in cryostasis in these pods. And, like five or six people left alive Mm -hmm. not very many and so then they find that three are left alive um but they can't seem to wake up from the stasis so harry kim and balana taurus are sent in they learn that two of the people in the pods died of extreme fear like that's what the only thing you really know going into this and then we have this dreamscape sequence that I was sort of making fun of earlier. That's just like, is this move along home? Is this like, um, you know, some weird TOS episode, but then it automatically adds the fear element and like what, how Voyager stands out spooky wise is when Harry Kim is forced in, like his head is forced into the guillotine and he almost gets killed like in the very first opening sequence. And so we know exactly like you said, Ashlyn, this is not, something just to laugh about or like oh no they would never actually die it's a game no this is death like we saw the people had died of extreme fear yes thank you for that summary rihanna also Mm -hmm. i have to add like another way i was taken out actually of this episode in a bad way not like i was taken out (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's not like we're watching coda here but um yeah uh I actually was convinced that Harry was going to die, but things are, a couple mm-hmm. things are running through my head. Harry Kim is the classic death fake-out character. Like, yeah. everyone's got a death fake-out Harry Kim. And then two, 
I thought this was maybe heading in the rec- in the direction of Spectre of the Gun, where Kirk mm-hmm. has to convince, and Spock, actually. Yeah, why would I attribute that to win to, yeah. to Kirk? It's always to Spock. <laughs> um, Spock convinces them that it's just a hallucination. It's just a dream. Yeah. Maybe they didn't have Spock here, so that was why they were in True. trouble. But I was mm-hmm. pretty freaking sure that Harry was going to figure out this isn't real, so why, like, if I don't, if I'm not in extreme fear, I won't have that emotion, so I should yeah. just, like, calm down and think, like, I'm going to survive, mm-hmm. especially because he's seen the bodies on the outside, you know? Yeah. So that, to me, was glaring, and also, I mean, this is just, like, a thing in, in spooky shows and, like, horror movies is the characters always do the things you don't want them to do, so totally. I should just get used to it, but I'm like, Harry, bro... You yeah, just imagine. I think honestly, though, like this is the problem with the devices is that it learns from the people who are put into the machine because it was meant as a device of like, oh, it will keep you entertained for these five, whatever, twelve years it's been um, since their planet was destroyed and they're waiting for the ecosystem to sort of restart and start anew. And then that's where this computer virus essentially took over and manifested all of their fears. And so I think, like, fighting against fear itself when you don't even know what it is, he just doesn't have enough information to even think, oh, this isn't real. Because, yeah, he saw the bodies, but I think just, like, a physical reaction, you can't get your body to stop believing it when, like, you see a guillotine coming down on you, you know? Like, (laughs) that's insane. Uh, There's no way I'd just be like, just keep it cool. It's all right. This isn't real. (laughs) You know? Like, I just got to give Harry that for sure. (laughs) Same book. Okay, well, thank you for sticking up for Harry. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's because I've seen too much Star Trek and Harry has not seen any, so. No, exactly. I'm just like, I know this is a classic episode scenario, Harry Kim, so just, you're like, calm okay. down. Yeah. yeah. No, but, Rihanna, great shout for It's True. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, this, again, Rihanna, we were talking about earlier that things don't get serious until Janeway shows up. This is an exact example of that because eventually the clown computer i'm just gonna call him that he mm-hmm. lets Bolana go right yes yeah, so, so she goes yeah. back to voyager she informs them about what's going on and then they send the doctor down there which i i thought that genius. was genius totally genius yeah. yeah well and can we talk about the lead up to this because it's probably the scariest scene i like watched this on the airplane heading to california so i'm like <laughs> all, like hunched over my little phone like oh god poor harry kim because he he is getting really tortured by this clown guy um he's being turned into an old man and then he's being turned into a baby because they everyone on the ship babies him and he hates being reliant on other people and then they because they're reading harry's brain scans they're able to know exactly what makes him most afraid and so they do this whole hospital scene that he that fear sort of fear clown guy sort of talks about oh remember that time you wandered off from your parents and you saw this radiation disaster patients um and he said you saw things you shouldn't have seen and you were so frightened you know and all of this stuff and i think that garrett wang does an amazing job in this scene like true terror you know in that situation and when that person can dig into your deepest parts of yourself that is what fear is you know as it gets you exactly where it's most painful and you're most vulnerable and so I just thought that they did that really well especially because we don't even know that this is like fear itself yet we're still kind of like what is this clown manifestation (laughs) (laughs) 
so you you know you start to learn more about it through that uh it's just it's just genius it's so such good writing but terrifying that's a great point and i think like the reason the writers use harry for this type of scene is because he is the youngest and he's the most relatable character and so if we see Harry Kim going through something, we're like, oh no, like this must be really hard. And this is how I would react in this situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and then the doctor shows up and so we get that glimmer of hope again. And I love that because every time it's feeling like the worst possible scenario, then the doctor shows up and has a, another solution from Janeway because like fear is holding them hostage, literally. <laughs> and uh, Janeway's trying to negotiate with, with this clown entity he's negotiating she's literally negotiating with a clown negotiating with fear itself yeah Uh, Yeah. i feel like you said instantly relieved once the doctor's there also the whole scenario is just frustrating enough that Mm -hmm. you know that janeway will never let them die in that chamber like totally because this is such a stupid thing that's keeping them trapped i mean obviously like yeah she it's not just because it's stupid like like in writing I just mean like the situation seems so dumb that they got trapped in this you know like they're being outwitted by a computer no she's never gonna let that happen so once like I see the thought going into this whole scenario sending the doctor down and then the show kind of dangling in front of you that maybe like this is the way out of it is to use a holographic program I just I love it so much and Actually, the scene at the end of the thaw, that is actually what saves this episode for me and makes it mm-hmm. really amazing is because when yeah. Janeway is finally down there, it looks like she is sacrificing doing herself. Yeah, she's doing <laughs> yeah. the Janeway where the entire crew is back on Voyager and she's like, I'm just going to stay here forever in this dream. <laughs> like, LOL. Yeah. Of course she's not. I wanted to add this to the final point of when we were talking about fear in mm-hmm. the episode The Haunting of Deck 12 between Egypt and Neelix. Yeah. Egypt says that fear keeps people from achieving their goals. Mm. Neelix says that it keeps you from putting yourself in unnecessary danger. And Janeway says that fear only exists for one purpose, to be conquered. Mm-hmm. And I think each of their responses really says a lot about each of their personalities. But yes. I just love this spirit that we're getting from her and then she goes on to say starfleet captains don't easily succumb to fear yes (sighs) just like it's it's so true like i think about all the other captains that i know and like it takes so much to get to that position you have to have such a thick skin because you've been through so much and you have fought your way to get to that post and so once you're there you're like I'm really not afraid of that much because I've survived so many weird scenarios at this point (laughs) literally (laughs) And they've had to take, you know, the Kobayashi Maru. They've had to understand what it is to lose people and to experience their ultimate ultimate fears already. Picard stared down the skin of evil, like Janeway staring down the <laughs> fear itself. Cisco yes. staring down the literal devil, Goldicott Powerwraith. Like, yes. you know, so it's just epic. It's epic to see these different captains, like, face off. And this is this is one of the most epic ones, I think. Because it also still has that really sort of haunting element at the end here where she does this amazing reveal that, haha, I'm a hologram. I've known fear. I've learned to trust fear. And then, then the clown says, fear is the most honest of all emotions, Captain. And that's 
you know, it's so true, but like, she's just amazing because she has faced that. And I love that then she says like, maybe you actually wanted to be conquered. Like maybe this was your purpose. And he just sort of says like, he just fades to black, you know, and says drat, I think is his last mm -hmm. words. And I just love that ending. It, I thought it would come off as cheesy and it just didn't. No. It just was so successful. Fantastic ending. Yeah. yeah. I, it came out of the blue. For me, I was like, I was like, oh my god, this episode, um, which is so much a Voyager, you know, like yeah. it really swings and like hits a home run at the end of the episode. Um, yeah, like I they think they know how to do endings for sure. Yeah, and they know how to use Kate Mulgrew because mm -hmm. she has such a like dominating presence on the screen. When you put her next to like a like terribly written computer, it's just like, it's, it's <laughs> not even fair to put them on the same screen together. She just, yes. you know she's the winner the moment she walks in the room. If like, oh, Janeway's here, okay, cool. We're exactly. all, it's all good. We're all, we're all secure. Here. We're all yeah. fine, yeah. <laughs> okay, oh my gosh. Um, so I'm very, very excited to talk about the last episode today. This is Waking Moments. Woo, okay, so. Uh, this is the other episode that Ashlyn and I watched in our ho hotel room in Bloomington. I'm so glad that Ashlyn, you put this on the watch list because it is such a great, underrated, spooky episode. It wasn't one I would think of right away, and I just am really glad that we're including it and ending on it because it deserves so much. Yeah, so many underrated Voyager episodes, and mm -hmm. this is one for sure. I love it because it's <laughs> we've seen so many TNG episodes at this point where the crew is like exhausted <laughs> and they keep missing their ships and they're like, oh geez, like what's going on? And so by the time we're watching this Voyager episode, I'm like, okay, boys, I've been training for this. <laughs> Another sleepy episode of Star Trek. <laughs> Not only sleepy, but like now it's the opposite. Now they can enter REM sleep and they can't escape from it. Yes. So they either have to stay awake or they have to enter REM and maybe get possibly lost in it forever. So scary. I love that. Yeah, Voyager does that. It turns Star Trek on its head a little. It's like, oh, we're going to do the trope, but we're going to change it up a bit. Yeah, exactly. I also really enjoyed that they were in hyper REM sleep and you know, our crew at yeah. TNG, like they had no REM at all. So yeah. this is like too much REM. Too much REM. <laughs> yeah. And so the way that we, they figured this out is so quick because everyone's such a family of this crew that they're all kind of like, wow, we had a weird dream last night. Everyone says this on the bridge pretty much. And we see their different dreams, snippets of it. Some of them are scary. Some of them are like Tom Paris's where he's flying a shuttle. And then the... <laughs> the worst animation is in this episode. Yeah. This, the alien head like appears out of the shuttle window oh, as it's crashing and going down. It's fantastic. I, we it's need to post a picture of it somewhere because <laughs> it's really just beautiful. <laughs> That's what Tom hears. <laughs> Poor Tuvok. He, like, comes to the bridge naked. And yeah. then the alien appears while he's on the bridge. Very strange. A moment I liked in the beginning is when 
Janeway and Chakotay are like doing their like morning flirt, you know, where they're like, oh, how was your dream? <laughs> you know, like they're just catching up like how each other slept, you know, basic things that totally. coworkers ask, ask each other. Sure. And um, <laughs> Tom literally turns around at comms and he's like, I don't mean to overhear, but I had a weird alien in my dream too. And then it goes around the bridge. But I just love because it means that Tom can always hear that always. they're like cutely flirting behind he him. And he's her. like, oh my God. Yeah. He's like, okay, it is 0800. Here comes the morning flirt. And then he's like, okay, it's lunchtime. Here's the lunch flirt. Like, yeah. It's always here. Oh man, Jamie oh, was man. out yesterday. They're going to have a lot to catch up on on the bridge today. <laughs> <laughs> it's a blessing he doesn't gossip more that he probably already does this, <laughs> this is why tos couldn't have a chair next to the captains because <laughs> nothing would get done McCoy's already leading over the first chair half the time McCoy's like not even working <laughs> i'm sorry this one we've had a lot of like jumps to past series so if you're like only a voyager yeah. fan we're gonna we're gonna move on bring it in um, oh just okay. so good yeah yeah, so I just, good old Tom, thanks for yeah. outing yourself as the eavesdropper, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I do love that this episode really leads us into a false sense of security, and that is something that we haven't really seen a ton of in Star Trek yet, because like you said, by Voyager, the plots are getting kind of predictable, not in a bad way, but in a Star Trek way, you know, and s- especially with these spooky episodes they kind of have a way of going and i really like that voyager is able to trick us a bit you know and think okay like they had the talk with the aliens um the aliens like pray you never dream of us again and it's like ha 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 till next time but i'm looking at the timestamp. i'm like it's only been like 25 minutes what's going on and so it was such a great little like mini fake out you know of like okay that was easy, too easy, you know, and that's immediately misleading or like unsettling to me. It makes me more on edge to be like, no, that was too easy. Like clearly something's going to be worse. And of course it was worse. They never left the dream. Yes. Inception before it was cool. Yeah, exactly. So I was thinking about, because there's, I mean, this is like a classic horror trope is like, you can't Mm -hmm. wake up out of your dreams. Inception went crazy with it. I, I was trying to think if there were any other horror movies that had used this, or even just scary movies that had used this theme or used this idea before. Um, but if not, um, everyone should think Waking Moments. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> For starting it. I think that Jacote is the hero of this episode, and I think this is a like, really great showcase for him. I, especially, we just talked yes. about First Officers, and I just have like even more love for him after talking through his crazy life. Yeah. Um, and I think his use of Akuchimoya, when he like he, he's able to, yeah. like because he's dreamwalked so often, he can control his dreaming with the device. I'm with you, Rihanna. By the halfway point, I was like, there's no way this is going to end correctly. Mm-hmm. What I love is also when we start to see the rest of the crew, when they understand that they're trapped in the dream and how well they work together. Not even when they're, like when they know they're trapped, but the entire time that they're trying to figure out what's going on, I just love watching them interact because they can get out of any scenario and Janeway's like, distract the guards. And then she goes over and she like yells at them. She's like, I'm the captain. I'll break it up. Like it's, it's all like totally improv, but they're so comfortable with each other and trust each other so much. They're able to just get through any scenario. 
Even in the dream world. Even in the dream world. It doesn't matter. It's incredible. Yeah. And honestly, I think the the parts of these episodes, the part of this episode that really, ooh, it just freaks me out is when Chakotay keeps seeing his moon because this is the signal to him that he's still sleeping because, like you said, he can dream walk and he's able to be aware of his dreams. And so he can usually just tap tap his hand three times and he'll wake up but they keep doing this fake out you know where you think okay now he's awake great we're good to go and then like five minutes later they're really bury it and you're totally set in this world you're like i know this is real and then you see the moon again and my heart just drops you know i'm thinking oh my gosh this is like this is such a good way to do television is to not just show it right away you know sometimes once it starts you start realizing oh my god like chakotay is barely hanging on He's the only one who can stop this. And if he's still dreaming, we're all screwed. Exactly. And I think the added sci-fi part of it because uh, really like adds tension as well because he has to keep injecting himself to stay awake. Basically, this planet is like giving off this um, like radiation or something that yeah. triggers their REM sleep. So it's forcing them to fall asleep. We see throughout the episode, mm-hmm. the whole crew is just dropping, yeah. <laughs> which is great. <laughs> they just passed yeah. out. And... Yeah, Rian, I totally agree, especially the last, like, scene. We see Chakotay, he literally, like, has to take a couple steps, and then he ejects himself, and he's like, I'm still awake, I'm still awake. But once you, what, you see him with the rest of the crew, and it's like, oh, no, he's back, like, he's dreaming again. Um, yeah. It's great tension. And also, really ballsy move how he ends the whole thing, because he goes <laughs> down to the planet, they finally arrive, and um, he is in the dream world he's able to talk to the alien and he's like i'm literally with you right now and mm-hmm. i can kill you if you don't release my crew because he told the doctor to sh- set all of the guns like all of the, the stun like all the weapons on the ship yeah. onto the planet to destroy like this entire society and man that he was on if Jamie yeah. was awake i don't think she would <laughs> like this very much no, no. <laughs> But it's something she would also do. Like, they're both crazy that yeah, way. Yeah, they're both crazy. Sacrifice themselves. Yeah. yeah. Chakotay says to him, says to the alien, he says, we can turn this dream of yours into a nightmare. <laughs> like, dang, that's metal. It's Chakotay's so metal. metal when He's he so has metal. to be. Yeah, like, diplomacy's not working in this situation. They've tried to talk so yeah. many times, but the dudes, all they want to do is dream. They don't want to make any deals. <laughs> exactly. They just want to take you, take everyone into the dreaming world with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Literally, I mean, thank God we didn't go out with a bang, because then yes, <laughs> all would have been over. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. The other thing, Rihanna, you talked about just how it's hard to tell what's reality and what's dreaming. When, I would say, like in the last part of the episode, I think I can finally figure out, like it's it, whenever mm. Chakotay's on the bridge, he is awake, but mm. um, those scenes of him in sickbay, when you don't know if this is reality oh. or not, I think those are some of the most unsettling scenes as well you're like 80% sure he's in reality, yeah. but you're not 100%. And so I found myself looking at surfaces for moons to see if I could see them before Chakotay did. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I was very disoriented during that. Yeah, they're so good at being able to do that. That was very unsettling. And even even in the end of this episode, everyone's unsettled because no one can sleep. <laughs> like they all have like a really cute end of the sea end of the episode scene where uh chakotay is going to the mess hall because he can't sleep 
they're all worried, of course, of falling back into this dream state that they won't be able to wake up from. And they, like, all have, have this, like, shared traumatic event, the entire crew, and um, something you don't take lightly. And I love that they have all each other to lean on because then uh, I think it's Paris and Neelix and Kim Tuvok even shows up in his, <laughs> the cutest little nighty so I've ever cute. seen. So cute. Like, why does he have to dress that cute? <laughs> oh, it's just too adorable. I love it. <laughs> so... It's just what a fantastic episode and a great reminder of like how awesome we are together, you know? Like I just love that they're all able to work together and Chakotay, of course. Yeah. Um, Rihanna, wow. This has been so much fun. And then there's one last thing I want to add, and I can't believe I forgot to say it earlier. Um, but I, I did talk about in coda how harry recklessly just jumped the bar with a clarinet in his hand to get to his station that was so reckless um i just want to mention also in course oblivion Uh (sighs) (laughs) you might remember tom and balana get married and then harry like plays the song like he's playing all the music for the wedding and at one point at the very end it's like you may kiss the bride tom go for it everyone's throwing the rice and then Harry starts playing the music. He has a clarinet in one hand. He throws it to the other hand, jumps in the air, and then starts playing. Oh, my God. It's always him trying to be too cool. And just like, what a bonehead. Like, what if he gets robbed his clarinet? Like, okay, it did He's look like pretty a... cool, but I just feel like this yeah. is a fragile instrument. <laughs> Anyway, oh, so incredible. this ends the Harry Kim special. Yes. <laughs> the Neelix special, the Voyager special. Ashlyn, before we go, I have to thank some people for being our lovely patrons. I want to thank Nerlin Nice Ghost, Wolf Wit, Rick Mason, John T. Bolds, Gildara, Jeff Richardson, Never Otter Even, Anna Post, T. Alexander, Ivan Fetch, and Michelle for being wonderful, amazing patrons. We have just got our stickers and business cards. We have some great postcards coming your way in the future. Please be looking out for those. We are very excited. And we hope that you all have an amazing week and keep it spooky. Yeah, please keep it spooky. So I want to I wanna do a quick shout out to Haven. Rihanna, will you read the amazing message we got? <laughs> yes. Haven said, these sisters are some of the most knowledgeable women I know when it comes to when it comes to Star Trek, if you haven't listened to their podcast, you are truly missing out. So Haven, thank you so much. You are incredible. We truly love every comment you leave on any of our social medias. Yeah, and it also made me really self-conscious because tonight we are actually doing a recording with Trexperts, which is a brand new podcast that takes two podcast hosts or however many, puts them against each other in a trivia contest and uh where's bev was just on the last episode mm-hmm. uh there's been some some great matches and rian and i are recording for them tonight and so the fact that yeah. haven said that we were the most knowledgeable sisters <laughs> i got pretty scared yeah we have to prove our test now we'll see how it goes yeah so now we have to hold up to haven's very kind words uh, yeah. I do hope that you will listen to the episode of Trexperts when it comes out. Um, mm-hmm. Australia-based podcast. We're very excited to join. So thank you all for listening to the Dura Sisters. We are so pleased, as always, to have you. And we hope your November weekdays <laughs> stay spooky. <laughs> spooky. Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please join us next week 
for the fifth episode of our spooky series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss all the hair-raising moments in Star Trek Enterprise. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, a review of Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek Trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, pilot episodes, family, <laughs> love and affection. Please keep screaming. Okay. <laughs> it's like pilot episodes. Okay. Um, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, Feminism and death fakeouts. And first officers. Oh, God. Also, <laughs> and first officers, too. Woo. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, what are you doing? Please go back and listen to any of these amazing episodes. Social media and marketing is by me, Rihanna Heard. Mm mm. <laughs> it is by me. <laughs> is by me, Ashlyn Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. <laughs> Fucking dead. <laughs>